Proudly presented by Citri All. That's where we, uh, yeah. we first met there. And okay. We'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And then. Uh, How long ago was that? Like, God, it must be like eight years ago or something like that. Or? It's it's getting on. I think it was 2014. Oh, okay. um, it may have been 2015, <laughs> but I think it was 2014. Um, okay. Actually, I've got my certificate kicking around here. I think I'll uh, I'll go on mute and hunt for it so we can pull that up. I think your signature is on it, if oh, I'm maybe. not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, I'll have a look here. That means something. You probably sell that, make a little dough. I probably I don't know about that, but so Billy Andrew yep. is with Century Arms. <clears throat> okay, Andrew and I have been friends for many, many, many years. Oh, you holding it up? <laughs> Can't see it. Turn your Bring blur off. Turn your blur screen off. Yeah, it's, 20, it's 2014, looks like. You're still on mute, Keeney. <laughs> Sorry. First it's my time. my first day back. I'm a little embarrassed, a little shy, a little nervous. Help a brother out. Let's see here. Uh, let's do that. There you go. And then... Oh, yeah. There we go. There's the Billy Sig right there. Yeah. I'm selling this and half a sheet of plywood on Gunbroker for five thousand dollars. No low ballers. <laughs> I know what I got. I'll give you I'll six. Keep that OBO. When we start recording. High bid gets it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess we go ahead and start without Jim. I don't know if he'll show up or not. He said he was. I mean, Arizona kind of has that weird time, don't they? Where it's like they don't follow daylight savings time. Oh, right. Him. That might be a real thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Could be. I never know what freaking time it is in Arizona. So I've worked in uh, nuclear physics for like 20 years, and I've used a bunch of survey meters, but never felt the need to have one. Until the, like six months ago, and I, I'm seeing this in my background right here. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, check this shit out. Back in the day. Oh, nice. It's yeah. all tube-driven, too. Um, yeah. They're, they're pretty neat. I, you know what I love about you, Kenny? I love that you match my equal level of paranoia. I love that. Well, that's what I'm trying to say is that, like, I worked with radiation for 20 years and never felt the need to have my own. And, yeah. like, I do now. Yeah, totally. And I love that you got one that's analog and tube driven. Well, yeah, you know what's up. Like oh, I know exactly EMP hard. Yeah, no, totally. The new shit will not be useful if you actually need it. Um, mm -hmm. And I used to design tubes, and uh, I kind of want to roll my own now because this this older stuff has some issues with it. Um, Didn't we talk about another... a few episodes back that you designed? Some tubes that were going into space, like coming up. Did they? Have they ever made it up there yet? Oh yeah, they're on Curiosity. Oh okay. They're the one that's been up there for forever. That they got in trouble for overbuilding because they overbuilt it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I've got. I did uh, part of the power supply and part of the X-ray tube on. It's called Chemin, which means uh, the way, but it also stands for chemical mineral. It's a a little x-ray instrument it, it the 
Curiosity has a little mouth on it that grabs rocks and chews them up and turns them into a powder and then analyzes the crystalline structure of the um, of the rock to just see what the geology is on um, on Mars. And um, x-rays are similar to visible light, but when they bounce off, when a high-energy x-ray bounces off an element um, and the x-ray is absorbed, that x-ray will get re-emitted at a kind of a fingerprint color um, that's extremely specific and precise. And so you can identify elements very precisely using x-rays. And then you can also do kind of like the way a rainbow works. The reason rainbows work because of diffraction, and you can do the same thing with x-rays to measure the crystal lattice spacing, so the spacing between elements. And if you have the chemical and the crystalline spacing, you can back out what the mineral is. And you can do that with everything from cocaine to chocolate to Viagra, um, you know, all kinds of different stuff. All things that apply to space technology. I love it. That's great. You could probably sell those things. Yeah, that's what I was saying. But instead, they wanted to sell it into fracking, which is dramatically less fun than cocaine. Not that I would know. Less profitable, Um, too. There you go. So I hear. Well, today it is. That's for certain. Oh, yeah. No <laughs> shit. Definitely. Well, let's get started. Uh, Jim uh, will jump on, I guess, when <clears throat> when he realizes what time it is. But uh, yeah. yeah, he might pop in an hour or so. All right, comrades. Welcome back to the Togulet AK Corner. This is the episode six of 12 this year. So we're more than halfway or halfway. This is the halfway point. <laughs> through uh through this season season four presented by century arms so you guys go show century arms some love because they're they're showing you some love they are giving away along with us a bft 47 and we're going to do that next episode and joining us this episode we've got andrew our good buddy drew with century arms drew welcome in how y'all doing so drew tell tell them what we're doing tell them what they got to do do you know or should i just go through everything um, it's probably wiser if you go through everything. I don't really understand much about the social media. Yeah. So you probably have the details a lot better than I do. We call him no social having Drew and, uh, for, for good reasons. There's, there's a good reason Drew's not on social media. He shouldn't be. Uh, but for you leadheads that are, if you're not, you need to get on because this is going to be an Instagram only, uh, competition. And it is a competition because we're going to have judges involved. And you're going to make a post with a Century Arms firearm, any Century Arms firearm. Uh, give them some examples of a Century Arms firearm, Andrew. Um, any of our import guns from the last 70 years. So if you got a Mosin laying around, it's probably imported by Century Arms. Look on the stamp. Um, of course, any of our Canic pistols, our AP5 line, any of our many, 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 many AKs that we've made over the years. Uh, you know, our USAKs, the Visca, BFT-47, any of the Romanian Wasser products. Um, yeah, if it's got CAI stamped on it or CIA stamped on it or Century Arms stamped on it, um, yeah, we'll take it. There you so, go. So it could be a the picture. More the, the more the merrier. It could be a picture. It could be a video. Uh, you need to be safe. It needs to be legal. Um, <laughs> don't do anything stupid crazy. But the most creative post uh, is going to win because we're going to put it to the judges. So it's going to be a subjective kind of thing. So we're going to put it to judges. They're going to vote on it. Uh, and then the one who gets the most votes during our July episode, which you know this is giving you 
less than a month by the time you hear this episode. But we, we told you about this a month ago, so you've had two months to get ready. We've got some posts up now. There's a few posts up now. And the way I'm tracking this is when you do your post, you have to tag all of our sponsors. You tag Century Arms. You tag Occam Defense. You tag Factory 47. You tag Seal One. You tag Mission First Tactical. Um, you tag, who am I forgetting? Defiant Munitions. Um, IWI. You tag all our sponsors of the AK Corner, uh, and then you use the hashtag TLBFT47. That's the key, because that's how I'm going to track these. Hashtag TLBFT47. And it could be all caps, it could be lowercase, doesn't matter, it'll show up. Uh, but that's have how I'm... rules somewhere on your Instagram page, Marty? Do I have the rules? No, they have to listen to the show to get the rules. This is a listener. I'm trying to make this a listener-rewarded giveaway so that just not any Tom, Dick, and Harry can come across our our, our post and, and get involved with it. you got to be a true leadhead. you got to be a true listener uh, for got this. It. I like it. I like it. But here's a caveat that I'm adding. If we don't get enough participation, and I'm saying 30 to 50 entries in this, which I think is still low. We should we should be getting a couple hundred, at least. Um, then we're not giving it away. You know, we'll come up with some other way. I'll probably get outside uh, involved. We'll do kind of, some kind of gleam or something like that, or or maybe we'll give it to Billy. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll get to Billy to soup up. Marty's and, just Marty's like maybe I'll just keep it, or maybe I'll keep it. You know, because I don't have one. I still don't have a BFT forty seven. Uh, so I'm jail. I'm jelly of whoever's going to win this, but you got a month, so you got plenty of time. Uh, again, be safe. And if you don't have a Sentry Arms firearm, go to your local gun store and rent a cannon and take it out and video yourself enjoying it at the range somehow. But again, be safe. Don't do anything illegal. Uh, if you do, we'll turn you in. I'll turn you in. I'll be a freaking uh, stool pigeon. And I'll turn you in. So don't send me any post anything that's stupid unsafe or ridiculous uh, but make it cool we've got some examples up right now if you search the hashtag tlbft47 you can go see and what see what some of the other uh, lead heads have done so um and i know some of you are probably waiting to the last minute because you don't want anybody to copy you and i and i understand that and that makes sense but you're going to dick around and you're going to miss the cutoff because I don't record the 15th of every month. I record before. Like this show's being recorded, what? This is the 8th uh, of the month. So whenever I can get the crew together to record the show, that's when we're going to do it. So um, I would say to be safe, sometime between the 8th and the 13th would be like, uh, you know, I wouldn't wait any longer than that. But uh, there you go. So I want to see more participation in that. But this episode, we're going to continue the giveaways. We've got more from Seal One. We're going to give away a big package of uh, Seal One products. We're going to do the jump trays from Mission First Tactical. Andrew's got some more mags to give away. And no telling what else. Maybe maybe Brian's got a hat or a t-shirt or something he wants to throw in. Uh, Pete is throwing in a box of 762 by 39 So one of you leadheads is going to get a, a box of the 762 by 39 from Defiant Munitions. Um... But yeah, so it's going to be a good show, and we're talking parts kits today. So I brought in uh, some experts on this. Just got introduced to Billy Cho, 
and uh, was excited to have him on. And this was through one of you leadheads. You, one of you leadheads actually introduced me to Billy, and I'm, I'm really glad that you did, and I'm really glad that uh, Billy was cool enough to join us today. So, Billy Cho, welcome in. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So the name of your company now is Ironborn Armory. Armory. Ironborn yeah. Armory. Yeah, I stay relatively low key. I don't spend any money in advertising and all that. So um, I've been fortunate enough to have uh, people buy stuff from me since the beginning and uh, not have to advertise. So a lot of people don't, you know, unless you've been around since the, you know, 2008, 2009, up to 2015. A lot of things happened with the AK community, and a lot of people have kind of forgotten about me, which is fine. You know? I don't think <laughs> and, so. Uh, Everybody I've talked to knows who you are. Yeah, and so a lot of people kind of maybe don't know who I am anymore, the, the new generation. Well, we're going to talk about what it is you're doing now, and you're also into some knives, so we'll talk about right. that a little bit too. And then also joining us, I'm excited to have my co-host back, ladies and gentlemen, the return of Brian Keeney with Occam Defense. Yay! Very happy to be back and for life to be getting a little closer to normal while the world is uh, doing what the world is doing. I don't think it's ever going to be our, our definition of normal again. <laughs> there you go. But uh, in any case, uh, very happy to be chatting H AKs with some wonderful people today and uh, looking forward to a good talk. Yeah, we're going to talk home builds, parts kits, uh, got shift tons of questions from our leadheads that we're going to go over. Uh, hopefully we'll cover most of those during our general discussion here. Uh, maybe, you know, we talked about it in prior episodes, but the 922R compliance, because that's going to go uh, in with your home build, something that you definitely want to keep in mind when you're building your own AK-47. And then, uh, you know, obviously the tips and tricks here from the, the experts we're going to talk about. And uh, hopefully Jim will jump on uh, and join us uh, as well. Talked to him earlier today, and he was he was cool with it, so I think... You guys are probably right. Time zone probably got him jacked up. Who knows? He's in Arizona. So I think I covered all the, the main things there. Uh, our sponsors, make sure you go show them some love. We'll talk a little bit more about them. I'll give you some discount codes here in a little bit at the, toward the end of the show uh, so you can save some money on awesome products. Um, but the home build kits, the parts kits, you know, I think what a lot of people are afraid of right now is that new ATF ruling and they're like, how is this going to affect me going forward? And uh, the answer to that at this point in time is we don't really know clearly because the ATF hasn't, you know, stepped in and actually clarified what their, their ruling is. They've got, I don't know how many pages that, that document is. You can go online. A lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, I started reading it and dozed off. Um, but they're smarter people than me that are going through that and and whatnot. And I think you guys probably have a better grasp on what's going on with it. And um, maybe we start there um, before we get into the actual discussion, because I know that's probably first and foremost in a lot of people's minds. So, Billy, what uh, what do you know uh, as far as you know what we've been given so far? How's, how's your interpretation going? And we are not attorneys, so yeah, you know. Uh... It's it's really hard to say. I did the same thing where I read over it, and I was like, "This is just too much." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Right. And so, like, you know, what my dealings with the ATF have been is that they can always change things on a whim, and 
reinterpret things however they want or make up things on the fly, you know? And so when we first were doing build, build classes, we went through, you know, um, doing out of state build classes and that was a whole ordeal on, on trying to figure that out. And they made new laws based off us doing that. Um, and so, um, you know, I'm probably as, as kind of like, you know, just kind of waiting it out and trying to see what's going to actually happen before I make any kind of major decisions or, or things like that, or, or, or incite any kind of panic or, or things like that. But sure. Um, I'm not really a hundred percent of an expert on what everything means, you know, it's just like everyone else. It's just like you said though, too, it, it it's whatever they interpret it as whenever they want to d- decipher and interpret it. It could mean one thing one day and something else another day. Yeah, uh, and they've, they've that's historically why, that's why industry people have to wait until we get a definition from the ATF because they'll put out this and one agent says this one agent says that. So you have to get clear definitions of this stuff sometimes. Um, yeah. But, and there's no, and there's no definition for clear either. You know, they're not very clear, exactly. but, but the, um, what we're talking about is the summary of final rule. It's 2021 R-05F. Definition of frame or receiver and identification of firearms. Um, and you can go on their website, like I said, ATF's website, and it's it's there. And I'll have a link in our show notes that you can go to uh, to go to go check it out. The party definitely go down a massive rabbit hole here. So I would say let's just let's just stick to how this would affect AKs. Because if we get into how it affects everybody, I think we're going to be in in for a whole. No, and I can com- yeah, I completely agree with that because uh, an AK receiver is completely different than any other firearms receiver. So, yeah. So I can tell you specifically how it will affect AK builds. Okay. Um, from what from what the wording states, I've read it several times. Obviously, you know my company we, we make AK, so it's of, of interest to me. But the only thing it's really probably going to affect is the sell the sale of receiver flats. Um, we'll get more into that, I'm sure, as we go through the show. But um, like an 80% lower that you can get for an AR-15, you can get a, 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 a stamped flat sheet metal that you have to bend and then um, put your rails in and all that stuff to make your own AK receiver. So I think that the only thing really to be affected on the AK side is going to be the sale of those flats um, as opposed to selling it full, an already folded. Well, they're blanks and, uh, too. You know, yeah. they have, they have blanks and flats. Those are two different, yeah, two different yeah, things. Yeah. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the partially built AK receivers, like the 80% AR lowers will not be around anymore. Yeah. Um, you'll have to buy an actual made receiver with a serial number. And they're, um, Possibly. That's the only thing we can see that will affect the AKs. And there are some companies already that are making, I guess, movements or statements. Um, let me reshare my screen again here. Uh, AKBuilder.com has put a, this notice on their website. It says, as of August 23rd, 2022, we won't be selling receiver flats or blanks to individuals. And it goes on to say, it seems that the anti-gun agenda has finally reached the point of going after the people that were making it way too easy to make a handgun from a kit and has caught up, has caught us all up in the middle of it, which I disagree with that statement. I don't think they've made it way too easy. Um, But anyway, uh, and it goes on. He's got other personal uh, opinions and reasons why they're doing it. So, and I think there's probably some other companies that are following suit. At this point, yeah. 
but there's there's far there's far reaching ramifications for other types of firearms. But for the AK, that's pretty much all we're we're seeing that's going to be an issue. Yeah, Brian, what's your take? Um, my my blanket statement is that all gun laws are infringements, which I think everybody in this call probably agrees with. Um, and uh, you know, what part of shall not be infringed do these people not understand? And um, they understand; they just don't hear it. Yep, they don't um, interpret it the way. It's no, I to be. I understand that there's a malicious uh, Marxist uh, insurgency in this country, uh, you know, and 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 it's effective, and they're well organized and well funded. You know, um, and let and, me let me uh, let me add to what you were just saying. I just before we get on here, I was listening to uh, I don't know, it was ABC or something. Uh, and there was a pro gun guy, and then there was the the commentator, obviously anti gun, uh, you know. And she read that exact statement: "Shall not be infringed." Uh, and she said, "But that doesn't apply to, and it doesn't say anywhere in there that that applies to, you know, anyone under twenty one, which you know they're trying. Their big thing now is they're trying to raise the age limit from eighteen to twenty one, um, you know. But the whole, my whole thing is it doesn't have any age. There's no. It says Americans, all Americans are, are eighteen year olds not Americans, you know. I uh, yeah I." There's a uh, a wonderful expression that if you think it's time to bury your guns, it's actually time to dig them up. And <laughs> um, up. I hold with that very strongly. And um, the um, yeah, I I I'm done. And that doesn't mean that as a company, I I won't follow the letter of the ATF. Um, sure, absolutely. Regulations, because you know some people get after me about that, and it's like yeah. I could break the regulations and I would be shut down two days later and then good Americans wouldn't have good, you know, as many options for good weapons. And Absolutely. so my private opinions, um, what I just said was maybe fiery, but I, I don't think it's wrong. And, but that's about as much as I can really say on that. I, I believe very strongly in the right of people to make their own firearms. That's how I got going. We'll talk about that a little more later. Yeah. Um, I built my first gun with Billy and Jim. And it was because at, uh, at the time I was living in California and um, there was gun registration on the books there. And at the time that I was home building, you could get around registration by building your own. And so I was making 80s from blanks in 2014, 2013. Um, and, you know, that, that used to be a really good idea. And um, now when I build... For myself, I just buy serialized receivers because I'm in the free state of Idaho and I don't, you know, I, I don't have anything to hide and I'm not about to give my guns up. So it's pretty easy. Yeah. Um, so all my stuff now is on serialized receivers, but I, I started out, I made my own welder out of a battery charger to do the rails and we can talk about that in a bit too, but <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm, I'm seriously about avoiding. Of course you did. <laughs> well, and and there's YouTube instructionals on how to do it, so it's not like I came up with it or with anything, a potato and an aquarium. <laughs> because the the um, self defense is a human right, and I do not give a shit what a government has to say about it. That's not how rights work. Rights don't. Government doesn't define rights. They come from God, and uh, or nature or whatever you know, whatever you want to call it, but. 
I have the right to defend myself and that's not up for discussion. And so I heartily encourage people to learn how to maintain their gums if government tyranny becomes even more overbearing. This kind of stuff is going to be really critical. And so even if people are just taking notes and thinking about how they would do this in the future, I think that's a really good thing. And it could be that in six months, Marty's not allowed to talk about how to build guns. And so people need to be taking already notes. already can't do it on up- YouTube. <laughs> you know right yeah it's right. already so like it's already and, been and in marty's effect. bound by the same thing marty marty could break that rule and then he would be off youtube forever which i don't give so a shit about working. youtube and they've already you know we did a 80 percent lower build on there one time showed them how to do everything and they banned that video um they just recently weird. yeah they just recently like in the past two months or so um banned it but yeah it took it down. Yeah, so I, I think this is critical information, and even like I said, I think people should really read up on this and um, and think about investing in some tooling for for dark days ahead. Yeah, and that's that's one reason you know why to to build your own firearm. But you know, again, in this country historically, it's it's been legal. There's not been anything illegal about it as long as you're not a felon, as long as you, um, and specifically with AKs. You know, you follow the 922R compliance rules um, when you're building your your home firearm. Then everything, you know, is honky door. You're not selling them. You know, you're building them for your own purpose, your own enjoyment. Uh, and that's something that I really enjoy doing on the ones that I've done is just, you know, the the self gratification of of I made something. You know, totally. As a man, you know, just just making something just has that sense of accomplishment and you know i just you know i I did something really cool here and especially when it's a firearm you know it's just just adds to it and uh it's it's therapeutic you know it's very relaxing for me when i'm in my shop working on my guns um so i mean there's there's a lot of other benefits and reasons why people would do it other than you know preparing for you know the apocalypse or whatever but again it's great knowledge to have and um, that's what we're going to talk about today. Give you guys some, some great tips, tricks of the trade tools that you're going to need. Um, and, uh, some other things. So let's, let's kind of kick it off here. And I think probably is the 922R just the high level go over that real quick. Cause we've done that in other episodes, but I, you know, still for our new listeners, something that uh, needs to be top of their mind when they're looking at, at doing a home build, would you say? To my knowledge, nobody's ever been prosecuted for it, but we're in strange times, and so and it's not that hard to do. Yeah. Um, but if you know what it is, then you're going to know. Oh, all right, here's yep. I can make my own judgment on what I need to do. Yep. Kinda. And there's some calculators that are easy to find on the internet, um, but the basic pitch is. And this um, goes for and, foreign parts kits. So if it's made in America, you don't have to worry about this. That's it, correct. You know, yeah. And if it's American. a pistol, you don't have to worry about this. This is just long guns. True. Um, so yeah. generally speaking, see, I, I make a really weird variety of gun in terms of how the AK normally goes. But if I remember right, if you swap out the piston and swap out your fire control group, you're pretty darn close right there. Um, it can get hairy if you want to use original furniture, foreign magazines, and your piston i don't think that's doable so you change a few things and and life's pretty easy so what's that number what's that magic number that they they've got for a stamp receiver 
Say again. What I was told. Say it again, Billy. It should be around six uh, U.S. made parts for a stamped receiver. Yeah, it can be six or seven depending on the firearm. Some some AKs have different features that others do not. Um, such as like the Segas, they only needed six when they came in. Um, but like, say you were building off a parts kit, you would need seven on some because they count bayonet lugs. So if your gun doesn't have a bayonet lug, that's a point that's not there. Um, okay. so that, that's where the difference typically, typically, I'm not going to say always, cause you, as everyone here knows with AKs, there's no always answer. <laughs> right. Um, with but, mill receivers, I believe there's four parts. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it just, it just, it changes between, but. Um, typically six to seven. And then, I mean, a lot of people don't realize it also applies to things like SKSs, um, applies to anything. So, but, uh, anything imported foreign, foreign wise. Yeah. yeah. But you want to be careful. That's a long gun. That's a long gun, not not pistols. Yeah. 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 So, but you do want to be careful because I mean, a U.S. manufactured magazine counts as three parts, but if you use a foreign magazine in the gun, you violate the 922R compliance. So Brian's correct. You want to try to do internal parts, but what you can do is the fire control group counts as three parts. Um, the actual muzzle, the threaded muzzle device, you can literally just take off your foreign-made slant brake and screw on a U.S.-made like $4 slant brake. That takes away a point as well. Um, so there you got four. This makes five, and then your furniture can be one, two, three. It's very, very easy to comply. It's not of course, the not. receiver is going to be American because but it comes in cut same thing with the barrel the barrels cut what two two places they have to cut the barrel yeah most most good parts kits don't even have the cut up barrel in them anymore just don't even include it yeah and the one thing to prevent confusion for our listeners when they go to actually do this worksheet correct me if i'm wrong billy and andrew but i think it's the maximum it's actually the maximum allowable even though we think about subtracting parts it's really about the maximum allowable count of foreign parts and so if you guys are getting confused remembering back on this just remember that the law is upside down from the way most of us think about it yeah and what is yeah definitely go back and listen to that 922 uh r compliance episode that marty did he'll uh he'll post that episode what number that was yeah i don't know what it is right off but if you just uh, go to my website and search ak corner with a k uh, some of you still don't realize that it's a K for the corner, <laughs> and that's okay. Um, but yeah, you'll you'll find it definitely. Uh, so that's something that you want to keep in mind. And there's web pages and there's videos and things. And you know our podcast, you can go back and listen to that to get the full details on that. Because I don't want to spend a lot of time on it um, because I know what more people are interested in are, you know, how do I how do I do it? What's your tips and tricks? Um, so with that, so I guess, hey, you've got in mind, it's like, hey, I want to build my own AK. You know, what's what's going to be involved with this? It's not like an AR. You know, you ever built an AR-15? Not not even in the same game. You know, it's a completely different sport. <laughs> I, I would compare it as because... Yeah, yeah, totally. You've you got to have a lot of uh, tools, a lot of skills, uh, and patience. And that's the key, right, Andrew? Patience. Yeah, patience, and it does require, it honestly, it does require some skill. Yeah, got to have some skills. Yeah. Well, and I'll I'll, uh, quote Ernest Hemingway here that all first drafts are shit. And he was sort of the master of minimalist prose, right? And and your first AK is going to be a total friggin' turd. 
And um, so my advice would be to get over yourself and do it. And and you will be a better operator and a better armor at the end of it. And you're going to be putting in your time. But it takes it takes several guns to get to where you could, you know, really um, call it a fighting gun and not, hey, this is a thing I made and it's an art project. Mm -hmm. Here you go. You know, that's there's a difference there. You know, and and as you say that, too, some people are just saying, hey, I just want to build, you know, one. You know, I just want to do one. And if you look at the money that's involved with doing that to get the right tools and and all that, you're, it's going to be way expensive. You're going to spend way over two thousand dollars in just the tools and things that you need to to build one, you know, AK from a parts kit. So, um, I'm not trying to discourage anybody by by any means. Um, honest conversation. Honest conversation, right? But there are different stages that you can buy completeness of AKs too, to where maybe you don't want to do a complete one, but maybe you you know buy and like Andrew was talking before, there's folded um, receivers too versus an eighty versus you could buy a complete re- receiver. Um, Get your rails welded in, everything. Right. So I would recommend if it's your first one, get the complete receiver do that route first because yep. you're going to have a tough enough time with everything else um because heat treating you know you got to heat treat and do all that and um i, I just nah take weld <laughs> <laughs> right so um where do you where do you think the next logical step would be in talking about maybe looking for the parts kits um that that you that you want I think honestly, yep. you probably invest in the tooling first. You know what I mean? Just so, uh, I guess it wouldn't hurt to have a parts kit. But a lot of times, I've met a lot of people that bought parts kits and said, um, "I don't think I could do this," and they end up selling it. You know. So, but once you have the tools, it feels like you're already committed. Yeah. I mean, um, and so the the cost on the on the tools are it can be pretty high for individual. But I always tell people, "Gay, hey, get a group of people. You know, do a group buy, share the tools." Uh, at least just get started from that point. Yeah. But with the but the cost of parts kits, you know, all over the place and going up and you know, it might not be a bad idea to buy a parts kit. Or depending on how the law is, you you buy the tools and then you sell them to the other people. Cuz I don't don't isn't there like a law that says that you have to use your own tools and I don't, I don't know how that works. Again, I'm not an attorney, so, I mean, I don't know. So, you know, when we are doing the AK build classes with Rifle Dynamics, you know, one of the snags we came across was doing classes uh, in different states because they're saying that uh, basically that we were manufacturing outside our licenses jurisdiction. And we did everything legally. You know, we sent receivers out, people to FFLs. They got a background check on the receiver so that we would just show up and they'll bring their registered receivers and build the guns. So, you know, like most things with the ATF, it's a lot of times mostly about money. They want to know who want, who can, who we need to charge that excise tax to, you yeah. know? And so it's revenue it's, generator. Uh, right. And so, um, and examples, they want to make examples out of people too. Um, yes. Yeah, so I think, 
as far as just having tools as in the weird thing is i think if i didn't have ffl i can go and teach that class no problem you know what i mean but since i have one there's all these extra rules that mm -hmm. you know basically they want to know who to tax yeah so it's i think as an individual if you were to buy the tools and you can you can sell them with no problem they're not they're not a firearm you know and so yeah let's talk about the tools that that they need i'm getting into this i've got my AR tools, you know, I, I build ARs. Can I use any of my AR stuff? Uh, <laughs> I mean, punch kit, maybe. Maybe my punches. Maybe your punches, unless they're some trashy ones that bend really easily. Or oh no, these are uh, good ones. These are Obsidian Arms. <laughs> well, if they're roll pin punches, again, the answer is no. You know, if they've got the ball on the end of them, yeah. which is pretty common on the AR-15 stuff, that's a no-go, too. Yeah, I, don't, I don't mean, you got a hammer? You can use that. There you go. <laughs> My rubber hammer? Bam. Yeah, you like your rubber hammer. That's the only thing I could think of that would translate over, really. So let's talk about the tools, realistically, okay. that you're going to need. So, I, you know, I've been in the game for quite some time, and I've seen the AK market change quite a bit. Well, let's do and, that, because we didn't do that, Billy, and I'm sorry. Let's talk about your background. Let's uh, let's let okay. people know, because you used to be with Rifle Dynamics. You were one of the OGs at Rifle yeah. Dynamics. So let's talk about that um, real quick. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, just quickly, basically, I started Rifle Dynamics at the end of 2008, early 2009, um, and basically during that time, it was just, uh, parts kits builds at the time as well. So I was hired on as piecework and where I would just demail parts kits. So, you know, I would come in every day for a couple hours, demail 10, 20 parts kits, go home in a couple hours. And after, you know, a month, month and a half, you know, I probably did every single parts kit in the shop, probably, you know, five, 600 of them. And so after that, they offered me a job there. At that point, I've never actually uh, built an AK. I just you know, shot maybe an AK once or twice, built a couple ARs, and then uh, started from the very bottom. You know, it was a uh, sandblasting parts kits, parkerizing them, and then um, I was always just a fast learner and you know learn how to build them, learn how to paint them. Um, and so within two years of of working there, I became a production manager, and then um, two years after that, they made me partner at the company. And so, um, right hey, Jim, <laughs> so we figured you were on Arizona time, Jim. So there he is. What's up, brother? You're muted. I think you're muted, Jim. <laughs> like, fuck it. <laughs> I can't hear you. I can't you're hear muted. You. Your microphone's not working or something. You're not muted. It must be your microphone. Are you on your phone or laptop? Laptop. Still can't hear you. Let me do this. Let me call you. You can just put your phone up to the microphone. <laughs> no, that's not going to work. <laughs> Maybe I can walk him through it. Um, Would it look better if he tried on his phone or something? So he's rebooting. He's going to reboot his computer, guys. Might be an update or something, maybe, for your for your browser, maybe it needed. Okay, if it does that, then we can try the phone. All right, let me, let me try this on the phone here. Hang, I'm, I'm going to hang up here and I'll call you back. Roger that. 
Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Bye. He's going to try to get on with his phone. Still not working. Must must be your in, internal mic on your uh, laptop. Must be an Apple. Fucking Apple. Yep. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh, we're talking about guns. Apple's not going to let him do that. That's right. <laughs> You've been flagged by Apple. <laughs> Commie bastards. If you uh, just click on that link, it should, from your phone, it should. Okay. Hang, end the session on your computer. So it should connect you through the browser. Brian, are you got, you got some uh, workers going on right now? Doing some shit in the background? No, I've been on mute actually. No, I'm mean in your shop. You got your shop running right now? Oh, yeah. Uh everybody's gone home for the day, but uh yeah, we're right now we're just running kind of one and a half shifts. We were running almost three shifts for quite a while. Um, but I got a great crew here and uh yeah, we're able to keep up with things. Um and uh yeah. We've been making, let's see, we're making RD trunnions and a contract job that I'm not allowed to say what it is, but other parts for another outfit. Um, cool. And uh, let's see, on the laser right now is the uh, we're lasering folding stocks that are about to go out for Anno. And then I've got a batch. We closed down orders for a while. Um I'm working on clearing that backlog and I've got four guns that just came back from reliability that are about to go into paint. We've got three new products about to drop. Um, some tools that'll actually, they're kind of perfect for this conversation, but they're advanced tools. Uh -huh. Um, therefore swaging the Billy will, will, uh, I need to send a couple out to Billy. It's uh, a series of tools that make the magazine catch installation really easy. And uh, the nice way to tune while we're waiting here, um, the nice way to tune your mag catch, which if you're working on a surplus kit, you probably won't have to do. But the the commie spec is actually quite tight on that latch. I think it's 20 thousandths is the max amount of allowable slop for the for the mag to rattle. The easy way to do it is to file it or belt sand it a little bit of time outside the gun. If you have to do it inside the gun because you don't have the ability to reswage that pin, um, the best way that I've found, I'd be interested to hear Billy's method, um, is to take a belt sander belt and tear it so that it will fit over the mag latch and then you can kind of shoe shine it. That has a problem where it tends to 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 kind of be cupped in the middle and leave two kind of fangs on the edges um far and away it's best to just in my mind to drill that pin do it a little bit at a time get it right and then swage it back in and um there's it's a bit like installing springs in your car you have to compress that spring to do the install job so one of these tools is a really simple way to compress that spring and the other one swages the rivet 
Um, it's a funny rivet. It's almost what's called a hollow rivet, but it's a, a chunk of steel that's a, a cylinder of steel that has two drill pecs, like 90 degree or something like that, cones cut into each end. And then you take ball bearings in the tool we have, and I think probably in the Kami tool as well. And then you crush the 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 tips of those inverted cones to to capture that axis pin in the trigger guard. Mm-mm. So I can hear you on the phone. So this is your phone right now. You're on. You can hear me now. No, just through the phone. I think the government's got you blocked, man. They don't want you getting the knowledge out. <laughs> uh-uh. That's weird. That is weird because it wouldn't work on his laptop. It's not working on his phone. Let's see. I'll just make sure it's not anything because all you guys are coming in. Let's see. Hold on. Yes, sir. Oh, no, no apologies necessary, buddy. Um, technology, man. It's just... Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm at a loss. This has never happened before. So, sorry, man. Um, if you figure it out, like I said, jump on. We'll be on here for for a little bit longer. And uh, if not, I'll get you. Recording this tonight? It's not live. No, it's not live. We're recording it. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I didn't realize not this was a live thing. No, I'm not. I don't ever do live. You know that shit. <laughs> Just because of this this uh, instance right now. <laughs> Because you never know what the fuck's going to happen. So. Well, I, you know, I don't know what else to say, man. I really wanted to do this, guys, but, you know, I'm sorry. Because, you, know, I, you know, you passed a couple of times. I couldn't do it the last few times you wanted to be on. Well, I'm, I can't seem to get there this time. I'm going to have more. Billy, too. I, talked, I don't even talk to Billy hardly that much either. You know? Yeah. And well, I, we're yeah. disappointed, but like I said, if you figure it out, if not, don't worry about it. Relax, and uh, I'll get you on another one. We got a lot of good stuff coming up. In uh, in episodes. Well, I apologize, guys. I'm sorry. You know, no, man, I'm sorry. Everybody, my love. <laughs> we'll do. If you want to sit on and listen to us, you're more than welcome. <laughs> All right, man. All right, bud. See ya. All right, bye. Catch you later. Thanks. Bye. All right. That is odd. I don't. It's never happened before. Yeah. Well. I was really looking forward to to getting you two to talking about the good old days. That would have been fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, so come back on. So Jim may figure it out. He may not. Um, but uh, we're we're sorry our audio was not working. I don't know what the problem was. We'll f- I'll have to do some research and figure out what was going on so that doesn't happen again. But that's the first time that's happened. Uh, usually, if you reboot and start it, it kicks right up. So, but you were saying we we're talking about your rifle dynamic days. 
Um, yeah, so I was, uh, yeah, I was at Rifle Dynamics till uh, summer of 2015, and then uh, you know I, I left and uh, became a director at Radiant Weapons for about three years, and then um, I left there in January 2018 and started my own company at that point. And so um, I've been throughout the entire, you know, I guess the the cultural shift between. In the, early, in the late 2008, 2009 time, 2010, it was always like AK versus AR. And, you know, no one gave a shit about the AK. And, you know, there was, um, there was hardly any tools to build these things. So, you know, when I started RD, Jim had made his own, like, tools. And so, um, you know, he made his own trigger guard riveting jig and, you know, his own, uh, you know, other riveting jigs and, and things like that, you know, yeah. uh, barrel press stuff. And then slowly later on, you just start, start seeing other companies come out with more, uh, you know, efficient tools. They had tools that like the bolt cutter, you know, rivet squishing thing. Um, and so they also had, you know, um, a whole variety of, you know, tools that people are making on their own. And some of them, you know, they weren't even companies, Yeah. you know, um, and, you know, they, some some random tool guy will make a a run of a hundred, you know, barrel removal, you know, jigs and sell those. And you know, once they break, you know, the guy's not making them anymore. Or, you know, or you know, um, you know, then I saw the iteration of you know AK Builder coming out with their, you know, their 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 tools. And Robert Phobus came out after that with a bunch of tools. And so uh, you those know, seem to be I like just, the two go to. Um, yeah, I just, kind of seen it all. And I just saw a lot of this, you know, distributors that used to carry tools, you know, and they're no longer around like hopes distributing. They were a big company back then. Uh, a lot of people don't shop with them anymore. Same thing with, um, Carolina shooter supply. They had a lot of like Saiga conversion stuff. Mm-hmm. He just and launched so, a new website. What was that? He just launched his new website the other day. Who? Carolina, Carolina shooters. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So. They've been good guys and, 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 you know, so I just seen the whole iteration of like, you know, people like I only shoot ARs, I only shoot, you know, uh, AKs and, and the, the AK was like the redheaded stepchild, you know, and, you know, they weren't easy to build. So nobody was making tools for them. So, um, yeah, I've kind of saw the iteration of all the tools and now, you know, just the popularity of, you know, social media guys and, and all that, you know, the AK is super popular and everyone has one along with an AR and everyone just kind of shoots both. And, uh, you know, it's kind of really comes full circle. Yeah. And, you know, that's something we talked about in past episodes is the the surgence of the AK, you know, the the increasing popularity of the of the AK. Because like you said, when you guys were kind of in the in the beginning stages back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it was it was the redheaded stepchild. It was the communist gun you know get that commie shit out of here you know kind of attitude and uh it's it's drastically changed with obviously the invent of social media but through movies as well um because in the day the ak was the bad guy weapon but Mm -hmm. you're seeing more and more even in the movies and tv shows you know the ak especially you know this movie (laughs) Uh, uh you know red dawn even though it was the the bad guy weapon, the good guys were using it. You know, they used it against the bad guys. So, um, yeah. yeah I just so. thought about this morning. My first AK, thirty two years ago. 
32 years ago. <laughs> you still have it? Hell yeah, I still have it. You still have it? Nice. Yeah, it's a Polytech underfolder spiker. <laughs> nice. Got it for my 12th birthday. Happy ber 12th birthday. Yeah. Holy shit. And now they're changing the laws to you got to be 21. Well, I mean, I couldn't. Yeah. I got it for my dad for my birthday. You know, obviously, I didn't. I guarantee you walked into J.C. Penney's and you bought that AK back in the day. <laughs> Man, you'd be surprised how some of those department stores. Sears and Roebuck. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. It's awesome that you still have it. Um, we'll have to have you show it off one episode. You, You've did. shot it before, buddy. Oh, I have. My Chinese spiker. Oh yeah, I've shot that one. Yeah, yeah. It was a delight. But uh, we're going to get into the, the tools. We want to talk about the tools. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think you, you're going to have to get a whole new tool, toolbox, you know, a whole new workbench to, uh, to house your AK tools because you're going to need a lot of them. Sometimes. So my first AK in my brother's shop, he's a mechanic. I used a bearing press that I completely, like, moved and took apart and put back together in different angles to press my first barrels. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we had. I had no tools. I just literally just found everything in a, in a shop, like a mechanic shop. Yeah, and that that's you know, the thing the with, you know, with AKs, you know, gunsmithing. I mean, you you really need to be a, a blacksmith. <laughs> you need to be a mechanic. <laughs> you got to, you know, all these different tra tricks of the trade. But that's the thing about the AKs is, you know, for the tools, people will makeshift their own tools to to get the job done and. The durability of this this weapon, this firearm, you know, allows for a lot of fudge factors um, when it comes when it comes to the the making and milling of these. But not like milling, Billy was but, saying, Marty, that was that was the only option back in the day. Yeah, nobody made AK specific tools. Like you had to make your own tools. You just took a bunch of shit and figured it out. <laughs> yeah, and that's why your first couple were really bad. <laughs> And, you know, learning all those skills with, you know, making your own tools, that just makes you like a incredible machinist and a fabricator at that point, you know. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that just kind of directly translates to everything else I was doing later on in my life. And so I pretty much learned everything over there. I learned how to run a lathe and a mill, learn how to TIG weld, you know, MIG weld, stick weld, whatever. Um, and, you know, learn how to paint and all that. And so, you know, a lot of that stuff, you know, I, I did work for a high-end AR company, right? And so, you know, seeing those parts come out, those half-million-dollar machines, and they're, like, almost perfect, where you can just sandblast and 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 then Cerakote them. It was just, like, it was a, a new learning experience from coming from, basically, I felt like the caveman, and I traveled into the future, <laughs> you know? And, so, and I'm like, what do you mean you don't have band-aids all over the place wherever you cut yourself and bleed, you know? Um, <laughs> and so it's uh, it's uh, definitely was, you know, a different time that basically, you know, built character and taught me skills, you know? And so, um, you know, I feel, really do feel like you get a lot more out of building AKs. And I mean, there's been AK builders that, you know, just stopped and, decided to build motorcycles and that that those skills just directly you know transferred to to any kind of fabrication you can imagine yeah you know? well you got auto automotive people you know john houghton with m13 yeah he was in the automotive industry and now he's building ak's you know? right 
So it kind of kind of goes both ways with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and w- what Billy's talking about is it is so true. It should be scripture. It probably is somewhere. I did an apprenticeship as a violin maker, and I use a ton of those skills in AK building. It's a very similar thing. Sheet metal and wood are are close cousins because they don't do what you want them to do. You know, sheet metal is going to bend and twist and do all kinds of weird stuff over time, as does wood. And um, there's a, you know, maybe the general heading would be manual literacy, the ability to do stuff with your hands. And that would be a fantastic reason. Are you missing a finger, Andrew? Did I just see that? <laughs> oh, it, it just looked like it. Okay, yeah, no, yeah, that that's a rare thing. And um, yeah, no, like with people that have been in the trades a long time, it's pretty common to have somebody missing a digit at a minimum. Um, and so that would be another reason to be getting into this is to just get yourself acquainted with some really critical skills that are being lost in our culture today that are widely transferable and applicable. You know, a big part of what you do when you screw up your first few is you're learning feel. And um, if you had a bunch of instrumentation to know how many pounds you were putting on stuff, you wouldn't need that feel. But when you're just sensing the feedback, you know, on a, for instance, on a bearing press, which is the easiest way to break everything with an AK, what you're at, what what Billy has in his fingers is thousands of cycles of feeling the back pressure of the hydraulic fluid pushing on the pump, which then translates into the lever, which translates back into his fingers. And so he's just like we learn how to throw a ball and we build. That's actually a fairly complicated equation. It's quadratic for for the math. Well, the math nerds already know that, but it's it's a nonlinear equation. Eh, it's complicated. And uh, we do that with our brains without knowing how we do it. And you do the same thing when you're when you're pulling on that lever on the bearing press. You're 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 actually building that same computation into your neurons. Well, let's Sorry, talk- Billy. I'll let you continue. But I I think what you're what you're poking at is a really big deal. That that is one of the biggest reasons to go out and build an AK or anything else in the first place. Right. And you know, before that, you know, I didn't really come from that kind of background and. You know, I worked on cars a little bit and I was pretty handy. And um, yeah, basically it was just like I fell in love with making stuff at that point. Right. And so it's, um, you know, that again, directly translated to me becoming a fabricator, becoming, you know, uh, a knife maker. Um, and I'm, I'm really fascinated even today about, you know, just seeing people make stuff with uh, a mastery, you know, and. Again, that's a skill and that's the thing that, you know, is going away. And, you know, I, I told you, Lefty, that basically that I don't watch any YouTube gun videos. I don't watch any YouTube knife videos because it just drives me crazy. It feels like I'm taking my work home with me. Yeah. I watch YouTube. I, I watch people fall down on YouTube. I, I watch people, you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't watch you know, YouTube just, at all, you know. I just. Right. I, just I, I You know, I, I read comics. I, you know. Yeah, we were talking know, about that. We got that in common. We're both uh, yeah, comic and, geeks. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big nerd at, at heart, but whenever I watch YouTube, I watch an old Japanese man making a comb by hand or, yeah. you know, someone putting together an engine or anything that's not gun related, but it that's a, a masterful work I'm just addicted to. Yeah. And I want to get away from it when I'm on my own time, you know. Um, right. I mean, there are some and things so, that I want to do to 
to improve and keep educating myself, obviously. Um, right. But when I just want to kick back, relax, you know, I'm I'm into com- conspiracy theories and UFOs and comic <laughs> books and you know stuff like that. But let's talk about tools. I want to get into tools because people sure. need to know tools. So let's talk right. about what tools they, you know, gotta have to to do an AK. Let's you know let's keep it minimum type and then you know we can talk about other things that would be nice to have if you know you got the extra dough because you're getting into parts kits nowadays are, are you know you could have bought them for 300 bucks you know five five years ago now they're up to 600 bucks 500 mm-hmm. 600 bucks for parts kit but you could you know used to could buy a complete rifle for that but you know those days are gone um and i don't think we're ever going to get back there uh, as far as the parts kits go, or or even the rifles, because the AK has just become so popular nowadays, um, I don't think we're ever going to see that. But for people who want to get into it again for the self enjoyment and the fulfillment of of making something with your own hands, and especially a weapon like the AK, um, it's art. You know, I call it artwork too. It's artwork like the AK. What do they got to have? What bare minimum tools? What let's go through. What would you say? Uh, drill press, right? Um, at least, unless maybe your stuff already has holes, but still, you probably would still need to get a drill press. Um, depending on what tools you need, you want to get a bearing press from, you know, the cheapest place would probably be Harbor Freight, a 12-ton. 12-ton um, because you don't want to get, you don't want to get too, too much pressure on there when you're doing that. Right, right. So that's just, you know, reason why you need a drill press. So you can drill out those screwed up rivets that you did the first time, right? (laughs) And so um, you probably want to get – probably the easiest way to build stuff right now is probably getting the AK Builder riveting fixtures and barrel press stuff. Definitely need a barrel press. Definitely need a barrel press. Right. And so you're probably going to be into it probably a good – $1,200 $1,200 or so, depending on what kind of drill press you, you get, uh, a more solid drill press would be a lot better, you know, because, you know, if you have a Harbor Freight drill press, they have like that table that is essentially the flat part where you put, you know, your, your, your fixture or whatever, your AK receiver. And, and a lot of the cheaper ones, the Chinese ones will have a lot of flex on them. So they'll, if you try to drill it, it'll, it'll cock to the right or the left, no matter how hard you tighten it down. So, um, you know, a heavier uh, work table right there on your drill press will benefit you. Yeah. So and spend a little you know, extra on your drill press, just like you said, so you don't get that, you know, that that spray yeah. and whatnot. So all my drill presses I currently own, they're from like the 1950s. Solid, and, probably pieces of machinery. Oh, oh if they, if it fell down on me, I'd be dead, right? <laughs> so <laughs> you know, uh, crush me in a heartbeat. And you know, they made things differently back then, right? Super solid. So go on Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, look for a, a more robust drill press. Um, and then everything else you can be easily bought with with modern stuff today. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there's a bunch of other tools out there. I mean, you know. But let's, like what, what, I mean, what's essential? I mean, obviously you need the barrel press. You need the hydraulic for the, uh, you know, hydraulic 12-ton press. What about like uh, if you screw up the barrel to get the barrel out? You know, right. So you're going to need some headspace gauges as well. Um, 
there's a bunch of people that make them, right? Um, Pacificus one, um, uh, Manson, and I think Climber is another one. And so you can get all those at Brownells. Um, Probably AK or, Builder has that stuff too. Right. Um, so then, yeah, you need a different barrel press. Robert Phobus has one with um, a barrel press for um, basically one that basically if you already riveted up, you don't need to, you know, uh, take it, take your front training out to take the barrel out. Um, uh, that design actually was based off another person that made it a long time ago. One of those guys that talked about where they basically made a run of tools and they stopped making them. And so Robert, I guess, saw a need and he started making his own version of that. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, you also need a barrel print pin press. Um, and so most of this stuff you can get from either Robert or AK Builder. Yeah, so I've got from our viewing audience, I've got that uh, Phobus website pulled up here. Uh, it looks like and this is based it. off if you you know aren't built making your own receivers right, um, and right. you're not welding your receiver. You're buying maybe uh, currently eighty percenters or uh, full serialized receivers and things like that. So mm -hmm. um, there's also the option of buying guns, you know, that are pre headspace like um, uh, Arms of America. They sell kits that are pre headspace. So. Um, but what I've noticed is like with a lot of those kits, you know, sometimes whenever you do check the headspace after everything's built, it might be a little bit too tight. So that's why it's good to have headspace gauges. So punch set, punch set, right? So something nice and hard. Um, you know, uh, I, I I use steric punches myself, um, uh, and sometimes you know it's good to like get a bunch of you know eighth inch or three 30 seconds stare punches and cut them to different lengths. So you can have a starter punch to knock out, you know, your gas block and front side pins. Um, and then just gradually get larger and larger as you drive the pins out. Um, because those, those pins can be super stubborn. Um, what about jigs? What kind yeah. of jigs are you going to need? Rivet jigs, right? Gas so, block jigs. Yeah. Right. So you, you can, you know, the gas block, jig i don't think it's really necessary you can use just like a bench block or you can okay. make your own you know if you're at that point or you know use a um because i realized that those bench blocks for the gas block might not necessarily fit you know as many guns or different variants of guns and it might not be worth the cost you know so if you have a bench block or if you make a bench block out of a hockey puck or whatever um that might be, you know, uh, a good way to save money. Um, again, you can also buy guns that have all those blocks and front sights uh, already populated on there. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, instead of having to deal with it, I mean, you know, Brian used to make uh, a rear side tower that had a, had a, a 1913 rail built on top. And, you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it was just hard finding people able to install that themselves. Right. And yeah, so, that's correct. Uh, we, we still make it it's actually gotten more popular over time um but yeah most folks i made the mistake of thinking everybody else was working on their ak's as well at home like i was and that's just not the reality and anybody who thinks they've got a great ak part that'd be my friendly advice and i i try to preface you know anytime anybody brings a nice part to me um 
I, I tell them, hey, I'm going to be super rude and it's because I, I want to be nice to you. And it's that any part that requires any sort of gunsmithing, automatically you're looking at one to three percent of the total AK market is going to have any interest in that at all. It's a vanishingly small group of people. And um, and that's cool because they're my people and I, I love building parts for them. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not a it's not the road to riches. That's for damn sure. It, it's not for the bass market. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And I just um, held up an example of your rear sight tower. We had it installed on this one. Right. As, as I said, I had yep. it installed. I did not install that myself. I took <laughs> it to uh, a professional gunsmith that did that, and he cussed me. <laughs> it all cussed you a little bit. But it's a killer, killer piece. I love it. Still one of my yeah, favorite it's a great product. It's just that, yeah, there's people at the time, you know, hopefully that changes as, you know, it seems like it's changing, that more people are trying to build these at home. Yep. It's, it's a quality product and uh it's just too soon right yeah yeah exactly i, I <laughs> i've been shockingly early on a bunch of stuff and that's 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 got upsides and downsides to it um yeah yeah it's 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 so, definitely starting to, to roll in a different way now brian um, as far as tools go um uh to add anything to what billy's talked about already what uh any tools that you would uh, add to that list? Yeah, I'll I'll be rude uh, in the face of of Billy's politeness. I think if if you're my 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 first advice would be take a build class from one of the the quality builders out there. Like, gosh, there's a bunch. I think Jim teaches private classes, and um, I had a great. I built my. Oh, we got to show this. I was hoping to do it when Jim was on, but. Um, <laughs> This is my build certificate from 2014, and there's oh, Billy, yeah. and there's Jim there. Little Brian and, graduation um, document there. Yeah, and that would be Here's my overwhelming advice because Jim was super kind to me and let me video and copy dimensions from all of his tooling down into a notebook that I still have. And he, he, he said that if I ever shared it on the internet, that it would ruin it for everybody. So I never have, but it's really good. If Jim's listening right now and he wants that video, it's really good lecture stuff. And I've, I've still got it squirreled away here. Um, and it was also the class when Casey Chu and Karen built their first guns. Um, yeah, it was it was a good class. That would be my. It's way cheaper to just pay the money on the class, and you get a gun at the end of the deal. I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, that's something that that would help a lot of these home builders. If before you start getting into it, it's going to save you a lot of headache and heartache, and just take one of those build classes. And they're they're offered all around the country. So yep. you know, check your local and, and, firearms, uh, gun store, uh, armor. I know. I think Royal Range does some occasionally. They're actually starting to build their own line nice. of of AKs. Um, so that's going to be an upcoming episode because I'm actually going to go there and I'm going to build one with them, and uh, nice. we're going to do one of the episodes doing that. Andrew, you're going to go with me to do that too. So, um, so the the on the calendar, the, bro. I am very heavily booked through October. Yeah, you'll make room for this. The uh, the second thing I'd second Billy on is going with a pre-populated barrel, doing barrel population, which is to say putting on the rear sight block, the handguard retainer, and the gas block, and then the front sight block. That is, that's more trouble than you want your first time out of the gate. So 
what Billy was saying, yes, you do need to check headspace because it's not always right. Um, it's yeah, it's, that's a real thing. Um, and then, um, you know, after you start populating, Robert has, there's a real hazard when you're pushing a barrel in after it's been populated of bending the barrel. And so you want to go easy and he sees, you know, get a book, get videos, that kind of thing. So you know what you're doing. But if you're working with an unpopulated barrel, Robert sells a series of chromoly tubes that slide over the journals and stack up and it lets you press on where, where the barrel necks down after it, it takes comes the out pressure of the, trunnion. Off the barrel. Yep. And so if you're going to be populating barrels from scratch, that's the method that I subscribe to wholeheartedly is don't, don't press on the muzzle. If you don't have to use a penny or, um, both Robert and AK builder make a brass piece that goes into the muzzle to protect it. That's a critical thing, but a penny works fine. Um, Robert also makes two, um, bars that are just cut down one and a quarter steel stock that go crossways on the hydraulic press. And then he makes these barrel press plates that go 90 to that, that have yokes for all the different, for those on video, they have U's or yokes cut in at different diameters that correspond to the different journals. Those vary as Billy was saying, um, depending on what country made it and whether it's an RPK or an M72 or an AKM or whatever. Um, Billy, my personal opinion is that people for, right out of the gate should just be building a straight ahead AKM for their first gun. That's a Eurocom, like a Polish, German, Russian, maybe Czech. I don't know what, or the Slovak ones. I don't know. I don't recommend those kits necessarily, but, um, would you say straight ahead, no, you goes, no China stuff. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. Um, I would say, you know, uh, all the Russian stuff's fine, but you want to get stuff that's kind of, uh, if it's your first, you don't want to spend a lot of money on right. like a bullet crane kit and have to buy right. specialty tools that, that will accommodate the parts for that tool of crank. Romanian, Romanian, something that's like a Romanian kit yep. or, you know, um, a Romy G kit, even that already has a barrel in there. Um, and so, yeah, definitely for sure. I agree with that. Uh, cool, cool. So then, um, yeah, the AK builder, a lot of people call it the trapeze rig. It's a, for riveting the front and rear trunnions. Um, and then the AK builder, um, trigger guard rivet set. That's a different block. Um, Robert Forbes's barrel push out tool. Um, Robert Forbes's push in tool, which is like, uh, I think that's the one uh, Billy was referring to that looks like a letter T with some funny cutouts in it. Um, what else? A lot of, you know, dehorning and, and dulling the parts before they ever go together. And that's just sandpaper, like whatever, um, 80 grit, 120, you know, somewhere in there. Um, anything else for I the think, barrel? Well, no, I mean, the headspace gauges, you need a pick. Um, the method, I haven't done pre-headspace guns in a very long time, but when I was doing it, I really liked the method Jim taught me. Well, Jim and Billy together. When they're sliding the barrel in, um, they're looking through the barrel pin hole, and there's sort of a canoe shape cut into the barrel. 
and you need to slide that in until it matches with the circular hole in the trunnion. And the way that you can tell when you're on right is you want to sharpen the tip of the pick and bend a 45 into it. And they make picks like this already. But I actually, my favorite one was a fish hook, a large saltwater hook that had good steel that was already sharp. And I managed to sharpen it more. And you want a very fine point on the edge of that thing. And you want to wipe it back and forth across where the barrel meets with the canoe of the barrel meeting with the hole of the the in the trunnion until you can't feel it catching anymore on that seam. And that's as good as you're going to do for getting it back to where the original gunsmith intended it to be head spaced. And then you push the pin in on a, uh, a barrel pin press plate. I prefer Roberts, but the AK builder one is very good. Roberts works for everything like Billy was indicating. And Robert makes all of those tools on little manual machines in his basement and it's the essence of america and what made america great and i think ak builder stuff is all made in america as well it's just that i have a personal relationship with robert and i can confirm this you know septuagenarian master german machinist is making your tooling you know with little elves and stuff and i just think that's that's metal as you can get um so i'm kind of biased that way but AK Builder stuff is much more reasonably priced and as far as I know made in America as well so you know either way you're winning um, and to add on to um, Brian when he's talking about Robert's you know uh, barrel removal tool you know I've I've bought a couple of those and modified them to work for Saiga 12s or you know whole, a plethora of different comblock style guns and so um, you know they're good starting points too if you want to start making your own tools uh, wholeheartedly agree you need to learn everybody needs to learn how to be comfortable editing tools um like when a when a screwdriver wears out it should not go in the garbage you need to get out a map torch and turn that into a booger picker of some stripe <laughs> or another and like all the for those who have done side folders there's there's three like really critical tools you have to make to install a side folder the the spring detent and some other stuff and the the detent up front and all three of those tools i made out of screwdrivers and you can't even buy what what i've made but it's not that it's not rocket surgery like can't you buy just it, but need you can to, make it it's sort of, <laughs> yeah it's sort of like uh evolution like just let the tool evolve when it yeah. doesn't work make a little tweak well that's something and, that's uh, going to happen as people deal. get into these and doing more of them if you know they get into doing more than one is you know they're going to figure out that i'm going to need something or i could use this to to solve this problem that i'm having but um i guess you know we're not really up to the we're novice level right now is kind of what we're talking to so we're not up in the advanced level but I mean, if you've we've got advanced listeners, uh, and they may want to get a little bit more advice and you know and things like that, uh, but they can always get in touch with with Brian or, or Billy through the uh, the social meds Insta messaging or whatever that's called, and the website through your emails. Uh, you don't have a website though, do you, Billy? Uh, it's actually currently under construction. Yeah. Okay. So but they can get you on the. He's that famous, folks. The grams. No, Real, but going back to what Brian was saying, you know, I would say first and foremost, really take a class because all of this really sounds alien, right? When, you know, Brian talks about can, a canoe inside where the barrel pin goes, I could picture it in my mind, but 
to someone else, they're like, what the hell is he talking right. about? Right. Yeah. You know, and so um, and so I would really, really recommend taking a class with an expert. You know, they'll teach you, you know, things that they spend years refining and finding hacks to. And, and um, you know, um, and so it would just makes it 10 times easier at that point. Yeah. And so let's get into uh, let's get into the parts kit itself. Uh, I think we spent enough time on the tools, just kind of high level there. Uh, but there's a plethora of tools that you're going to need. Uh, and like I said, you're, you're probably going to drop over $1,000 on tools uh, if you're not making them yourself or, or don't know how to do that yourself. And we didn't even get into uh, the flat receivers. You know, if you're, if you're going to be doing your own receiver 80 percenters, there's a whole other set of tools that you're going to need for that also. So that just compounds and adds to it. Um, but the parts kit itself, talk about what people need to be looking for in a parts kit. It's like, okay, I'm online. I'm looking at, is this a good parts kit? You know, what are they looking for? Um, I mean, Go ahead. Yeah, part, there's a couple of different things, Marty. People, some people are buying them for the collectability or for the authenticity Okay. That's why a lot of people buy parts kits because they want a gun that they can't buy. You know, you can't get certain firearms in the United States imported. The only way you can get them is with a parts kit and then you can build them. Um, so I think there's a there's a large group of people that get into it for that very specific reason. That's a good point. Yeah. Now with the prices of them. Used yeah. to when I was when I was young in my you know late teens, early twenties, we built parts kits because you could buy a parts kit for seventy dollars, <laughs> you know, with a barrel. Um, yeah. you know, until 2005, they all came with barrels. Um, so it was a lot, it was a lot different style back then, but now people are there, you know, you can literally buy a parts kit. You can buy a brand new AK for what a parts kit costs. So people are doing that a lot of reasons because they want a specific type of gun. Um, less, less nowadays to save money more because they want a specific gun sure. they can't get. Absolutely. I just wanted to add, basically, you know, I deal with a lot of high-end clientele, just same same with probably Jim. And, you know, uh, my guns definitely are not cheap, but people come to me for, you know, building these expensive parts kits, rare parts kits. And so there's different levels to it. You know, most of the time people will say, hey, why does a Russian kit cost more than a Romanian? And a lot of times that's basically, there's a couple of reasons, right? One would be Supply. the mystique of having a Russian thing, right? So... Um, people have this common misconception that Russian things are better where, you know, not necessarily true. Uh, a competent builder can build a Romanian parts kit, MD-63 kit, the most common one you can find. Um, and it'll be as accurate, as reliable as, you know, a, a $5,000 Russian parts kit. So um, a lot of that has to do with collectability of it. Like, you know, Andrew was saying, basically, you know, it's kind of nice knowing that whenever you invest in a more expensive parts kit, like a Russian kit or whatever, uh, East German, something super rare that, you know, you can justify it to your spouse saying, Hey, you know, this is expensive, but in 10 years it could be worth double. Right. And what makes things more expensive is the scarcity and the rarity of these parts. Right. And so I always think that I always tell people it's a great investment because, you know, first off, you can justify the purchase because anything that's, you know, it's sad to say anything that's really made in the States, like any AR you can imagine, it's really, uh, they don't really go up in price, right? It's always foreign stuff, right? HKs, transferable machine guns, or, 
but AKs have constantly have, you know, the parts of this constantly going higher and higher and higher and higher. And so it's, it's a good investment to invest in a more expensive parts kit for sure. You know, especially, you know, if you're looking for something like that. And I always tell people, even though you say, let's say, spend $3,000 on a rare parts kit, you can shoot the piss out of it. And, you know, hardly anything will wear out once it's, you know, if it's built correctly. You put a new barrel in there, replace a couple springs, you'll have a brand new gun, right, at the end of it. You know, when, mm-hmm. you know, when at RD, Jim has this, has this famous little crank-off, this little AKS-74U that he built in the garage. And that, you know, th- that was there when I started. And we would just dump, you know, spam can after spam can <laughs> out of that thing, 7 and 6. People would line up like it's like a buffet and just <laughs> dump a mag into the back of the line, dump a mag. The thing was smoking. It probably, I'm not even sure how many barrels I had at the point where he retired it. But the sum of those parts are worth an incredible amount of money, even though it's, it's you know, you know, even if it's on his fourth barrel or 100,000 rounds. Sure. The, the parts still go up and it's kind of it's kind of crazy. So, um, you know, when, when you want to start with your first build, start with a, a more cheaper kit romanian i would stay away from the yugoslavian serbian stuff because a lot of times they're not parts compatible you know what i mean by that is you know if if you have a you know a a 1.5 millimeter uh, requirement for a chinese gun or a a yugo or whatever you can't just find a a romanian bolt and throw it in there or 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 a bolt carrier or and so you want to find parts that are you know somewhat compatible where you can have replacement parts or have be able to fix it um and so it all depends on you know what what you want to do with the gun as well so if you want to make it a a more collectible piece spend more money on a a more expensive parts kit you probably won't lose your investment um if you just wanted something to plink around and you don't care you just want a good shooter you know build something off a romanian kit and so um what's available today seems mostly like it's going to be the romanian kits there's some Russian kits out there. Some people are smuggling stuff in, whatever. I'm not sure where they're coming from. Um, there's Polish kits out there as well. And so um, those are the three main kits as far as 7.62 kits that are available. And if you're talking about 5 for 5, it's it's kind of gotten crazy, right? And so... Yeah. Um, Talk about the yeah. 5 four, 5 a little bit. Yeah, I mean, when I first... Uh, you know, when I was at RD... Um, there was a flood of parts kits that came in from Arsenal, Bulgaria. They called us and said that, hey, Arsenal, Bulgaria are no longer making 545 guns. And this was literally maybe uh, a year after they called us and said they're no longer making 556 guns. So what that meant to them and to us was that they were going to bring over uh, all their leftover 74 parts kits and guns and sell them on, on, on kvar.com. And so what that ultimately equaled was six containers full of AK-74 parts. And at the time, we were buying parts kits for AK-74 parts kits, fixed stock. A lot of them were wood. Uh, sometimes you can find you know polymer stuff in there for about $170 um, a piece. And, you know, it just kind of flooded the market. And you can, we were just, you know, um, like Brian was saying, um, that's when he took that AK build class, and and I think both Karen and Casey built uh, 74 kits in that class because they were just so cheap at that point. And then something happened where there was like an explosion of 545 popularity, and now everyone wants a 545 kit, and there are none. And so um, there's, you know, 
everything. Anytime something's not available, it becomes up and down. And then 545 guns also ride the wave of the ammo. When 545 right. is dirt cheap and easy to get, everybody wants a 74. Once right. it's once it gets to the point where it's expensive and hard to get, like now, people, there's collectors wanting those kits, but as far as like new 74s, nobody really wants one. Okay. Well, I, I, I found the opposite, but you know, um, yeah. a lot well, of my... I, I always talk from a massive, sure. like a, sure. a manufacturing standpoint, as opposed right. to like what we were talking about now is like the hardcore AK guys. Right. You know, I always tell people if, if it's your first AK, buy a 762 kit. If it's a, or buy a 762 gun, if it's your second AK, buy a 762 gun, and then maybe buy a 545 gun. And I, I don't recommend 5.56 AKs because that's like, <laughs> that's a controversial topic, but I think that's, <laughs> well, that's going to be like, one of our, seven. one of our questions. I think somebody's asked about that. So we'll, we'll address that when, it, when we come to it. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's better than a 762 by 39 AR, that's for sure, right? But, you know, um, you know, we were out there. One, we built one of the first 300 blackout uh, uh, crank-offs way back when, when we did that Sinosco thing. And so, I mean, I guess there's a place for it, but there is just, you know. That's my 762 a... AR right there. Yeah. <laughs> one, one, one warning First I will give. worlds right there. Give all the the listeners, Marty. There, I will give everybody one warning about buying new parts kits. Okay. Um, Romania has off and on sent in into the U.S. parts kits that are brand new parts. Um, if those are not drilled, um, do not buy them because you can't drill through them because the steel is already hardened. Um, they were sending them in with undrilled, no barrel pins drilled through them, um, several things like that. So if you're buying a new parts kit. Make sure it's already drilled, because if it's not already drilled, they already hardened the parts. Oh, you can drill through them. It's going to cost you. Yeah, well, you're not going to do it with that Harbor Freight drill press, I'm <laughs> sure you. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking at, you know, yeah, $200. So kind of stay away from those new parts kits. Yeah, the, the, the Romanian, there's, there's a few problems with them. Another one is that the front rivet relief in the front trunnion is clocked off by 30 degrees and they don't blow up but when you go to push the barrel pin there's literally a big ass air gap there and they don't seem to be concerned with fixing it the the um oh what are the the wassers that that are coming in are pretty nice and i don't know if they're the same parts because yeah the without going into too much detail what andrew said <laughs> very good Anything else to add on parts kits? I think a lot of our questions may bring up some some other stuff. We got got a lot of questions here. Um, so before we get into the questions, so tools, you know, the parts kits. What else does a, a builder need to consider or take in take into consideration? What, what receiver they're going to go with? There you go. So if you're not, you know, doing the 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 flats. Or the eighty percenters, complete receivers. So you kind of got three options there, right? That's your that's your three options. Um, what do, what do they need to look for in an American receiver? Anyone? Okay, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll jump in. Here no one wants that, to step uh, on toes. We're all like, I'm yeah. not the one who's going to say shit. Well, don't you don't have to name names. Just what what am I looking for? So I I got to have the receiver because. The one in my parts kit, either it's not there or it's been 
you know, cut, cut in half. Just yep. beware there are 1 mil and 1.5 mil receivers. Most of them you're okay. going to see are 1 mil, and most of your parts kits are going to need a 1 mil receiver. So just make sure you know what you're buying. That's the biggest yeah, thing. You, and how would they know that? What goes to your kit. How would they know and, that? And, with, with, if they need yeah, a 1 mil, how they, would they? They need to do an AKM receiver from – there's like three options that I'm aware of that are – that are reasonable actually there's a there's some there's some very nice receivers made by like recreator and some other folks like that tort tort um they're high end and and i haven't built on them but i hear very nice things about them so leaving those guys alone um the two the two kind of morrissey makes almost all the receivers in the country um for most of the most or all of the major manufacturers and um we build off them as well uh they do need some squaring up in the front and the rear um and uh that is something to keep in mind uh childers is is very nice um they work off a polish blank they uh one of the big things to consider with uh, morrissey's is that they which is also the same I don't know if Nodex Bud is still around, but same same difference. Um, they heat treat after welding in the rails and welding in the center support, and so giving them a real good rinse. The the brine that that they heat treat in, um, it's hard to get it out of those areas. That's one thing to consider. Childers does not do that. They heat treat and then weld. Um, the rails in and do the center support. So that saves you a little bit of labor there. They also square up uh, the receiver in the front and the rear and trim the rails. So just spending the money and getting a Childers or a Recreator or one of these other ones makes a lot of sense. The um, There's a, another option. There's the Polish-made WBP receivers that are FFL items. Um, from what I've seen, they're they're quite nice, but I don't have a lot of experience on them. I'm curious what Billy's thoughts are, though. I've actually never built on those as well, you know. And so, um, for the most part, you know, I, I, I've made my own. Um, I do all my own heat treating in house as well. Um, but then, yeah, you know, there's great receivers out there. You know, I, I even would recommend, you know, even maybe trying a, a mill receiver, right? If you're not really comfortable re riveting, right? So try a Sharps Bros or a Tordor, I guess. I've, I've never tried a Tordor one for sure. I've built a lot of uh, a Sharps, but I mean, his, his quality is there. He's doing some amazing stuff with milled receivers, adding, you know, the AK-100 style folders to them and and uh, doing all kinds of crazy stuff on a milled receiver. That was pretty cool. And so, um, you know, I built out Childers. They're great. You know, I use, I've built off a lot of Childers, actually. You know, um, there used to be guys that, you know, one guy used to go by 74U LLC. I don't think he's around anymore, but he would make uh, perfect receivers as well but um yeah there's a lot of uh, good receiver makers out there right now and, and as as far as making your own it's probably not worth the investment because they're so cheap you know and yeah. so yep. uh, it's it's good practice too to buy a couple and, and and try it out yourself if you're trying to build it yourself yeah plus so, yep. they're already heat treated and if you're doing the, you know the flats you got to get into the the heat treatment as well um right yep. just real quick for our more, our more advanced builders Talk about the heat treat process that they, you know, that you guys would recommend. Again, I recommend would, that you would, you know, potentially buy one that's already heat treated sure, because sure. I, I have a two oven setup at my house. That I, I use mostly for 
for uh, knives nowadays, right? Because no one wants to pay extra for you to heat treat your own stuff, you know? And so, but basically I would basically uh, do um, fold the receivers, right? AK Builder does sell a, a fantastic folding jig on there. And then uh, I would spot weld the, the rails in and then you have to stress relieve it. Every time you uh, get something hot really quickly, and if you decide not to stress relief, it has a potential to warp, right? And so, um, and so then once you stress relief, you know, it, it takes a really long time. That's why people don't do it. You know what I mean? So a lot of times, because you know, once you heat treat, then you have to quench in some sort of way. You know, there's quenching fluid, or you know, some people use uh, air, rapid air, or heat sinks, and all that. And then you have to temper to basically once you heat treat it, it basically shocks it uh all the i think brian would probably explain it better and all the kinetic doing great. amount right and so typically um if once it gets to that point and if you just leave it at that it'll be extremely hard hard to drill through and you can actually have parts crack and break off and become extremely brittle so you need to temper it to bring it back down to that rock well that you're you're, you're shooting for and so that itself you know will take maybe two or three of two hours a piece and so um again it's it's maybe just a pure amount of energy you're using is probably cost more than the receiver itself you know so if you want to do it i guess you can but at, in, in in you know it's really not but again we're talking it. we're talking to our advanced builders here at this point. even then marty i wouldn't this is like I've never, I've heat treated knives and stuff. I've never heat treated an AK flat because it's so difficult to do right. Mm -hmm. People right. dedicate, this is like a heat treating is, is a very deep art and science mm -hmm. and getting it right. Learning how to do it on sheet metal is crazy. And so yeah. if I may, um, let me propose for the advanced folks, the non heat treat method, which is what I used to do. Um, and it's even easier today because the ATF approved blanks that have the rails already welded in. So you, today you can go, I just checked, Arms of America has a bunch in stock and it looks like they're trying to offload them um, for obvious reasons. And uh, you get a 80% one made in Poland that has the welding. Weld, the, the welding of the rails is actually a pretty deep thing as well. That's already done. Then you hop over to AK Builder and get their drilling jig. And all you got to do is drill the the two holes and then the rivet holes in the bottom for the trigger guard and you're done. And that is a tractable thing on a, on a drill press and the drilling jig is not much money and will work for a lot of guns. It's heat treated and very hard. And you're just drilling five millimeter, four millimeter rivet holes, uh, five millimeter and seven millimeter axis pins, a 10 millimeter drill for the the keyhole that the safety goes in and then i think a four or a five for the front of the keyhole you open that up with a dremel and you're done and so it's that's a very doable thing for the garage builder and we've stayed away from curie points and like kind of to to temper well you have to know what alloy you're working with and also you get into some very weird effects with skinny metal that Billy has much more experience with than I do. Um, but it's just heat treat is it sucks. not 
it sucks and it's not easy and there's a reason sure. because Billy's yeah. a master knife maker he does it himself but I we do a ton of heat treat here and I farm it all out to professionals who you know they're I talk to physicists over there um metallurgists who who just go right over my head and I have a graduate degree in physics so like this is just shit that unless you're dedicating your life to it um not great that said by all means, um, I'd be curious if if Billy had a simpler method than this, but I've got a real quick homebrew heat treat thing, especially if you have children. You build a charcoal fire, and you can get um, like a actual, not briquettes, but hardwood charcoal and a map torch, and you, you just get a good pile of coals going, and you've already bought and shaped um, using an 01 tool steel. I like that one not because it's a great knife material anymore. It's fairly old. It just heat treats really easily. And um, you cut your rough blank and shove it in that fire, get it preheated. And what the what all the charcoal is doing is making a reduction atmosphere, meaning that there's no oxygen present. And when you get up near the Curie point, which is the magic point where metal loses its magnetic, um, you can hold a magnet against metal that's at the Curie point and it's non-magnetic and that's that's your go signal to quench so you bury it in the in the charcoal and then when you get close hit it with the map torch inside the charcoal to get so that you've still got this reduction atmosphere going and then uh, you've got it on a wire so you can pull it out of there and you also have a magnet on a wire and um, pull it out dunk it in motor oil and then on the package there is a temper schedule and you just stick it in your home oven. If I remember right, it's like 450 for like three hours and then you turn your oven off and just let it slowly cool. And we only had about 10 thousandths of shitty iron on the outside of really nice Rockwell 60 steel. The times we've done that at home with teaching my daughters how to make, how, to, how it all works. Does that make, is there, is there a simpler way to do that? Billy, um, well, I, I use uh, basically temperature-controlled ovens made by a company called Even Heat, and so they basically have a digital scale that you can just put. Say, hey, make it this hot, it'll make it exactly at that number. It'll hold it. Oh, for I get is. that. I mean, for if people want to embrace their inner redneck and yeah. get the satisfaction of heat treating, like they would, you know, back in the day, they used to take a map torch, just rose up the the axis pinholes, dunk it, yeah. and call it good. What I'm what I'm proposing is, hey, go make a knife the redneck way have a good time <laughs> is there a simpler cheaper way to do it than what i just described that's pretty much it man a lot of people use the same thing they they'll, they'll basically take an old barbecue fill it with charcoal and then put a leaf blower to it and get it really hot and they do that and on forced and fire you know <laughs> but seriously, yeah. I mean, that's a good place to go and watch somebody heat treating something you know and and the headaches and heartaches that can come along with it and yeah and um, yeah there's definitely a science behind it there's so many different steels and you know some of them require a cryogenic treatment some some of them you know require you know i've, I've worked with a steel called sm100 which is a titanium based <laughs> and it's like you stick it in at a certain time let it hold for five minutes and you pull it out and then you press it between two aluminum blocks and then the entire blade turns like gold and rainbow from all the oxygen left inside um a lot of times people will put inside uh like a, a a wrap so some sometimes people use like mm -hmm. a, a stainless steel foil and that mm -hmm. keeps it from getting oxidized so you mm -hmm. won't have all that pitting that you know brian was talking about you know with on the outside layer 
because it keeps that uh, basically oxygen out of that uh, that oven. And and so um, yeah, so there's like these hundred thousand different types of steels that people use, and some of them again require them soaking in between uh, a quench and temper into liquid nitrogen for you know 20 30 minutes some of them you know it's 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 a it's a, a crazy science and you know there's metallurgists for a reason and so that's why i always tell people yeah it don't don't try to heat treat on your own uh, ak receiver um i know i can say that a non-heat treated ak receiver will work for a little while but then eventually it'll start sucking so don't you know don't buy something expensive and just half-ass it when you could just spend you know yeah. another Seventy dollars and get a completely heat treated receiver. So don't so, be an idiot. While we're on this topic, um, I'm going to go to questions uh, because okay. there's a question about it. Corey Brown says, "I finally upgraded to an electric." Uh, I need to put my glasses on. Uh, basically, a uh, a kiln to heat treat my receivers. Best decision ever. I was using bricks stacked up. Uh, and a weed burner to get it up to temperature. Didn't even have a temp gun. I just used a magnet. My question is, what did you use to heat treat when you first started out? When I first started out, I just bought preheat treat receivers. <laughs> like I said, you know, yeah. and I didn't really start experimenting with heat treating until I, I became a knife maker, you know, and so because you can get like really hard spots and on one spot of the receiver or you're gonna have to spend a really expensive uh you gotta buy a really expensive drill bit to cut through there you know so it's, it's not as easy as it just sounds like hey i'm just gonna pull it out and you know quench it in cooking oil it doesn't work that way you know and so it'll take a lot of experimentation every oven is different even though you know the um a digital oven like i have will say that it's you know 1550 degrees fahrenheit it could be 1575 it could be 1400 maybe that that the scale wasn't reading as as correctly and you can't just put a magnet on everything because some stuff is stainless right and so um you know it's uh it's uh it's you have to experiment with it you know and see uh what works with your oven and and you have to you have to get a hardness tester right uh wills wilton makes a really great one if and get that right hard hardness and so um if you're really serious about it again it's like a lot of equipment for something you can just buy for like 75 bucks a, a fully heat treated receiver right and uh, the same thing goes with just buying a complete uh, ak All yeah i mean like a spend. hardness tester a good one's like you know a couple thousand dollars right so <laughs> I'll, I'll say this marty about heat treating um if you're if the listeners want to think of the five largest manufacturers of firearms in the united states okay none of them have their own heat treating facilities they literally send all their stuff out to be heat treated that's how specialized it is mm -hmm. uh, those people that that's all they do is heat treat parts and not just for the gun industry for lots of other people but yep. all the largest manufacturers here do not do their own heat treat um that is that is farmed out to people who specialize in it so again i will i will Agree with both of the other guys on this show. Sure. Don't be an idiot. And buy a pre-treated receiver. And, yeah, if you're and I get that. Receivers to make money, you're gonna lose money. So don't do that. What are you doing, right? So. Yeah. And then you got to get into uh, getting you, you know, your certifications and your licensing and all that if you're gonna do it to make money. 
Yeah. Um, and that's kind of not what we're talking about. We're talking about home builders. You're doing it for yourself, for your own pleasure, you know, kind of thing. So, uh, I think, yeah, we're, we've covered the heat treat. Um, so if you want to get into it, there's going to be a lot that goes into it. Uh, better to go ahead and buy one that's already, uh, done. So questions, Bailey Mueller, 80 K and S piston versus adjustable gas block. Or how else do you make your AK work with a suppressor to manage the increased gas pressure working the piston? Uh, so I, I like the KNS adjustable gas piston or adjustable gas block. And, you know, the reason why I like, uh, I, I dislike adjustable gas blocks, right? It was, you know, I was actually in, in the process of designing one when I realized, oh, I don't like these, right? Because when you go out into the field, it's horrible to bring tools and try to adjust a little screw or a little switch block inside of a hot, you know, inside of a hot rail, or it's really hard to do on the fly when you can just take the KNS gas piston and just do like five clicks and you can just say, oh, all right, and you know, that's how many clicks they'll run, make my gun run perfectly and then put it back in and it'll go. So um, that's the reason why, cause no one really wants to bring extra tools to the range or <laughs> training class. So I don't think adjustable gas box is really practical unless you keep it, you know, that gas port suppressed the whole time. Um, but that's just my two cents. I also want to add that, you know, the KNS gas piston is a little bit heavier. So, you know, every, every one of my guns, I always have uh, a perfectly sized gas port to run. And so what I noticed is that sometimes the KNS piston will be too heavy for it to cycle where I have it normally set. Um, so um, it, needs to, it needs to be slightly overgassed in the first place for the KNS piston to run reliably in your gun. That being said, I mean, you have infinite amount of adjustment in those things. So, um, but yeah, but everyone, they can like what they like. That's just my two cents. Brian, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, obviously, we make our own adjustable gas block. So, you know, I don't make anything that, <laughs> that, um, Oh no, and and you're good. No, I ain't. No, I I I. What Billy said is 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 great and true. And there's there's some some compromises. Um, fundamentally, we don't want the gun to hammer itself apart. And so, if you're running a can, um, you know, in with our production guns in the past, we've done the very best that we can to be good at both. Um, but you know, you can only that only takes you so far and it it the back pressure depending on what can you're using the back pressure from um well mike Pappas is going to kill me for calling it back pressure along with kurt halstrom but that's that's the word even though it's not technically exactly what's going on it effectively lengthens the barrel that's that's a way to, th to think about it um and if you have a an l length can on that's much more time where there's gas pushing back on the piston um so you know if you do want the gun to run awesome in both conditions suppressed and unsuppressed or you have wild rain temperature ranges like alaska i was there for a wedding and it was 90 degrees and i've also been there in october when it was negative 50 and um standard a nicely gassed system at 70 fahrenheit is not going to cycle at negative 50 it ain't going to happen that's a rare corner case but 
you know, it, it is a thing. So you need some adjustability and you got to pay the piper somewhere. Um, with the KNS, uh, I personally, um, just like Billy has a, a personal bias towards the KNS, I have a personal bias against it, but it's exactly what um, Billy said. It's personal opinion. That doesn't mean I'm right. Um, with the KNS, there's a lot of small parts in a corrosive gas environment. That yeah. said, um, they have a bit of a track record now. And I think very early on, some of them were breaking. I haven't heard about breakage lately. And at this point, they've been out three or four years. And so I think we can say that's a, a tested product at this point. Um, what Billy said is also quite accurate. You need to have your gun over gassed if you're going to put a KNS in. And um, if it's a rack gun um, from one of the big manufacturers, it likely is overgassed enough. And that's what KNS sized that whole thing for. Um, if it's a, a fancy pants gun, you know, made by somebody in the U.S., it very likely will be a little bit undergassed. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One of them is the weight. The other is the shape of the – it's kind of like a hemi. If you look at the piston face, it has a different shape. And uh, at least the last one I saw had a pretty deep bore in the piston itself. And that – that acts like a balloon more gas can build up in there and compress without building pressure it's sort of like an escape valve for extra gas so that's the deal and um kns adjustable gas block or nothing you do you and we're in america and we like guns so we're all on the same team right on sinister fists any tips or tricks to straightening the front sight on a wasser <laughs> andrew's laughing <laughs> it, it 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 very well may be straight and the problem is that the gun shoots a little crooked which is not that doesn't mean it's a bad gun you can actually pull, punch yeah. the punch the two pins out set the windage to the center take it to the range with a crescent wrench and dope it in if it drives you that crazy then you redrill those holes or add a new hole um that's not a it's an intermediate to advanced technique. So it's not the kind of thing if you've never worked on an AK that is maybe a good idea, but taking it to a gunsmith, um, for the finish work. That's a, but, uh, you know, working on a Wasser as opposed to, you know, one of Jim's or Billy's or my guns, that's kind of the right place to be working on one. Wassers will take a lot of punishment and keep running. Billy. Um, I would just leave it. <laughs> what K billy kentucky said. windage it <laughs> no there it, just because it appears crooked to your eyes as long as it'll sight up and as long as you hit your target when you line your sights up it's it's just a cosmetic thing at that point but uh but now if it's not shooting accurately obviously you need to straighten it out okay uh let's see so, Get a new wazer and have any of those issues, it's under warranty. Just send it back and they'll straighten it for you. Bree Kenkart, what is the best way to ensure getting relatively good matching on the holy trinity of parts? Buy a numbers matching kit. I mean, <laughs> that would be the best. Well, I don't want to tell you, there's no other way to do parts matching stuff without buying a numbers matching kit. Make yeah, sure and one of the you know we build on all new parts, and um, the parts aren't matched when they're new. You got to match them, and that's a big part of 
you know, one of the big things we do is this proprietary automated lapping thing that that does the same thing that the thousands of cycles that are on a used kit already is done or some babushka overseas. You know, they 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 tune them in there. But yeah, what Billy's to first order matching matching serial numbers ensures some pretty good matching. Armis Bravis opinions on the FB Rodham Chrome Lime Cold Forge Sporter Barrels coming into this country, especially as it pertains to con- concentricity for suppressor host. Is there a way to correct that when cutting it down and threading it? I've actually never used those barrels before, so I can't really comment on if they're any good or not, or accurate or not. I will say that the um, that a lot of those barrels that are not threaded, um, we were discussing heat treat. <laughs> And it's very, very important on this specific topic because what happens with a lot of these barrels that come in from the foreign countries, the heat treat's not necessarily even. So one side of your barrel will cut very easily, and the other side of your barrel, you can barely get the tool through, which typically makes it not – it's not going to be concentric regardless of what you do because your tooling's just not strong enough. And I don't want to call out any specific brand. I've never tried to thread one of those barrels, Um, but I am saying that. Over the years, over purchasing lots of barrels, working with manufacturers, working at home, um, I've noticed that threading the barrel of an AK to be concentric to your bore is very hard because of the inconsistencies and the hardness of the metals. Yeah. The, also, another thing with hammer forging is that the uh, linearity of the of the bore is generally pretty poor. I have threaded the the FB Radom one in the past i've done one or two of them um and it's 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 rare that people cut barrels properly for suppressors what you need to do is probe the last two inches of the barrel and use what's called a spider and it's an advanced tech advanced thing but let's dumb it down a little bit uh you stick a uh a 302 pin in the muzzle end and then you have to dial in your lathe such that that pin isn't running at, running out at all, meaning there's no wiggle in it in multiple locations. Because if you just dial in like in a four-jaw chuck, it's going to be centered um, at a point. It's going to be centered at a point, but not centered to the line. If you only center in one place, then you've got a point. You need two points to define a line which is the, the axis of the bore. And it's the last two inches that really make the most difference with where the bullet's going to go. So when you're, when you're cutting threads into a barrel, you first have to have a spider, then you've got to get it dialed in and then you've got to start cutting your threads. And I just don't know that many people that do it right. And some people get lucky. Um, other people get unlucky. And so it's, it's really an advanced thing to do that. Well, bolt gun gunsmiths have that, that whole thing nailed really hard and so it's a rare time where i'd say bring your barrel to a long range bench gun kind of guy to have that 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 process done anything else to add to that anyone okay uh real dan holland pros and cons of stamped versus milled receivers i think we've kind of hit on that a little bit as far as the home builds go anything else to add on that that topic 
Um, if it comes to a U.S. made uh, milled compared to a uh, foreign parts kit, you know, as far as value wise, the foreign parts kit is going to be worth more in a stamped receiver. Um, if you're looking for something that holds value, um, as far as um, a milled receiver will be more accurate, right? Um, out of the box, typically, um, but it's going to be typically more heavier. So. I, I prefer stamp myself um, just because you're able to fix things, right? So there's been a few times where we we had a, um, a machine gun and someone ran some weird, funky ammo in there and we had a, you know, um, a detonation that kind of ruptured the side of the casing and kind of blew up uh, a trunnion. And so if it was a milled receiver, you'd have to weld it and, and hope, pray to God that, you know, that, you know, you didn't stress out the barrel too much by putting all that heat in there. Um, but if it's a, a stamp gun, you can just put a new trunnion in there, uh, maybe a new barrel, and you'd be good to go. So, um, you know, I've, I came from a training background because of what I learned at Rifle Dynamics. We took a ton of training classes. And, and so that mindset of having a fighting gun has always been um, a top priority of mine. And so um, that's why I don't, I don't really think that the benefit of the accuracy from a milled receiver um, would would uh, benefit, um, you know, um, make it more more uh, valuable or or uh, a more of a gun to acquire than a stamped receiver. More so that's yeah. my personal opinion. Um, there was a question on here for you guys. Uh, I'll find who who did it, but it basically. What is the worst home build kit that you guys have received that you had to correct? <laughs> oh God, there's been you know when I was at Rifle Dynamics, I, I started keeping a, a photo log of these guns, and I probably had like hundreds of them, right? Where you see like wall people, of shame kind of deal. <laughs> you see people screw uh, do screw builds, and then they weld the screws. You'll see, uh, you know, the, the sheer amount of cross-threaded barrels is insane. You know, um, you just see, uh, I remember one time someone was like, I want to make this gun like the gun that we built for Travis Haley. And so it had a, a Venom gas block on there, right? It's 14.5 pin and welded. And so he had someone else built it. And the, the gun was so messed up. The only thing that was salvageable was the gas block. Everything else was just completely welded. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen barrel pins that were actually just JB Weld. Um, Holy so when I, when shit. I it, it just came out like a, a powder. It was, uh, <laughs> I've just seen the most craziest stuff. You know, recently, um, I basically did a full rebuild on two SBRs. Uh, one was the uh, same guy owned both. And the guy basically ruined uh, the whole, one was AKS-74U. And the other one was a, a M92. Um <laughs> And so they were both SBRs, and they were, I mean, they were one of the worst builds I've ever seen, right? And so, um, one of the on the M92, the, the receiver had rusted, and the guy just painted over it, and so it continued to rust. So when I had to basically sand the receiver, the black paint was turning red from all the rust, and Holy so uh, it was every single hole on the trunnions were messed up, every single hole on the receiver was messed up um yeah and obviously the guy's like oh i just you know it's sbr so and it's a very valuable kit 
And so it was, uh, that was a really expensive build. I always tell people find the right people because if you have to take it to someone like me, it will cost more for me to get it to the starting point of starting fresh than to, than if you were to, you know, have a, a screwed up build like that and, and see me again. So, um, yeah, I've just seen a lot of crazy stuff. What about you, Brian? The worst one I've ever seen um, came into the shop, a buddy of mine um, locally. It's actually the gentleman that machines uh, some of the Ultimax. They're made like 300 yards from where I'm sitting right now, which is really funny. Um, but he brought it in. He had got it at a gun show, and um, it was too ugly to not pass up. And um, <laughs> it was pop riveted. It was a flat... Um, I think it was on a Yugo kit and they had used an AKM receiver, an AKM flat. And the Yugo has a bulged front trunnion, like the new century gun. And an AKM receiver does not have a bulge in the front. And they were like, no problem. We have a hammer. And so they just kind of randomly beat it into shape. There are pop rivets <laughs> on it. There are screws on it. There are rivets on it. None of them done well. Um, and uh, the build. rails are so fucked up that um, the dust cover has to be on for the gun to cycle or, or the bolt carrier will just fly backwards. Oh the dust cover is what holds the bolt carrier into the gun as it's cycling. You can see this masterpiece um, because I thought the world needed to see it. Um, he traded it with Brandon Herrera for one of his guns and it's up on a Brandon Herrera video from the last couple of weeks, I think. So that's the worst one I've ever seen. Um, I've made a couple atrocities, but nobody will ever see them. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that it's first couple guns, uh, FPS Murdoch asks is a crank parts kit more difficult to do than a standard and the answer is yes because i know because early on i wanted a crank i found a long barrel crank arsenal kit virgin in 2015 i think and i got it and i made an 80 and it was the first time that i had done a side folder and i had to cut in the side folder myself on the 80 percenter and that is something i would recommend to precisely zero people on your first few guns just don't even don't even mess with the side folder. It's it's not easy even when you really know what you're doing. I usually spend an hour or two when we do side folder runs, um, which is it's been a long time now. Um, I spend a good hour or two tuning in all those little catches so that they feel right. And it it just takes forever. And I actually got the reason I developed some of those tools is I literally got nerve damage. I couldn't feel most of my thumb from the pressure from having done it so many times of actuating Jeez. that button. I literally got a numb spot in my thumb. And so, yeah, don't, don't do side folders out of the gate. Good point. Uh, and the absolute worst build uh, came from AKM Archer. He asked that. Um, this is specifically for Billy. Um, P-Man 301, Billy, do you like making knives or AKs better? What is a project you currently have that you are very passionate about? Oh, boy. Um, I think I actually, um, I love both equally. You know what I mean? I feel like if I only built guns that I would get burnt out and, you know, I'll just, 
Um, that's another reason why I don't do production guns, because, you know, if it's not interesting to me, I just get bored and I just hate my life at that point. Um, so if I didn't jump back and forth, I think um, I would really have a, a big problem because, you know, um, yeah, I just needed I need some kind of balance and I just needed sometimes step away from certain things. Same thing with knives. If I just did knives for, you know, six months, it would just drive me crazy. And, you know. And so I just I really like both equally. Um, so some projects I'm working on, you know, um, you know, I talked to Brian about it. But um, when I was at Radiant, I was just learning a lot about manufacturing. So I, I taught myself uh, how to uh, CNC, you know, with uh, help from a bunch of friends. I didn't go to school from it for it. Um, and so I got my own CNC. I bought a little Haas Super Mini Mill. And so. Um, I've been making my own knife parts on that, and it's been uh, a lot of fun learning about the different tools and little things that could, I could uh, do with it. And so um, that's that's been a really fun project. You know, eventually AK parts, maybe you know, if I feel like it, um, I'll just kind of go on a whim and, and just uh, just kind of do what I like and, and what I enjoy. Very good. Um, Wisdom. Guns, oil, and dirt. We answered this uh, during the show. Who makes the best kit, in your opinion? What would you, uh, and what would someone expect to pay? We didn't really talk cost, but again, you know, for all the tools and everything that you're going to need to do it yourself, I mean, you're a couple of grand easy um, to get the good quality uh, type parts or uh, tools. Um, but thank you for the question. Let's see. PPRN, best and most economical way to do a home build. We kind of covered that through our, our talks there. Uh, here's another one for, for Billy. This is from uh, Pete. And it says, for Billy, what did you do in Vegas before all the gun stuff? <laughs> okay. So, you know, I came from a really interesting background, right? I came from the entertainment industry. And I don't want to say that like I'm some kind of a stripper or a or a escort or something, right? Uh -huh. But Vegas seat. That's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> and that's what it was. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, I've had a pretty eclectic life. You know, I've done a lot of uh, stuff uh, as far as I did a lot of nonprofit stuff. And uh, but before I started RD, I actually worked at a magic show as well. Uh, like a straight up magician, like David Copperfield or the and this guy. Uh, I don't want to say his name because we just talked so much bad stuff about him because <laughs> he was like such a diva. But um, he was at the Planet Hollywood, so it was a, one of the major casinos over there. Uh -huh. But I got that gig because I was a professional break dancer at uh, for a number of years in my early teens to to early uh, or early twenties. So. Uh, my team, they're called Knucklehead Zoo. You know, they're still around today. Um, they have like they teach a bunch of kids now, and so we've won like the we represent the U.S. like maybe five or six times doing in, magic in the tricks. World championships. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I was a professional break dancer for a while. I'm too <laughs> old for it now. Um, and so, and I also worked at a magic show doing break dancing <laughs> and making the magician appear out of nowhere. Break dancing. <laughs> Did you do the? Was that the the way? I put myself on mute. My head is about to explode right now. <laughs> yeah. This so I mean, we, my my team won like MTV's America's Best Dance Crew. Um, you know they uh, <laughs> they made they made a documentary about them that was on Netflix for a while. 
Dude, I was so, I was heavy into the breakdancing in the air. You know, that's my era. That's that's where I'm Oh yeah, me that's too. Where I me grew too. Up. The parachute pants, the you know, the the high tops, the bandanas, the <laughs> I don't know what kind of shirts they called those, but you know, from breaking but with the collars that snapped open and were like double colors. Oh yeah, you remember the movie Breaking and then Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo? Oh, yeah. That's of course. That's Billy's two favorite movies: Red Dawn and Breaking Two. Right? <laughs> were you in that movie, Billy? We were a '90s era breakdancer, so the we, 90s. you know, we were the punk kids that made fun of those movies. You know, just like how we make fun of you know people as boomers for carrying revolvers. Dude, I remember in those movies, people would break out in the aisles. Me, people would get out in the front of the theater and start breakdancing during the movie. <laughs> Yeah, and so I mean, we traveled all over the world breakdancing, man, uh, at an early age, and and so it's a uh, it's been a it was an interesting life, man. And so because of that, it's kind of torn up my body, where I feel like a seventy year old man now. And uh, maybe that's what but, was wrong with my hip, Andrew. Maybe that's why I had to get a hip replacement. <laughs> all that breakdancing is all that centipedes and and stuff. That was from your buddy Pete well, Pie at Defiant, uh, Billy. Uh, Pete Pie. Pete Pie, you know, thing about Pete, I think he makes the best ammo, period. You know, as far as he did, I did a sure, lot of accuracy yeah. testing when I was at Radian, and his stuff seemed to be the most accurate ammo I ever shot in my life. So, and we shot okay. a lot of different ammo. So, yeah, it's a defiant munition, yep. listeners. Go check him out. Use the code LEADHEAD, and uh, he's going to give you 10% off at Defiant Munitions. And he makes a very nice self defense not uh, 762 round that's solid copper nasty flower petals of death amazing um yeah very second everything billy said but also you, uh, he action, gives guys. love to the ak people yeah so he's making the uh, 4570 round now that's awesome yeah all right next question um i just lost it you'd asked you asked uh you answered fps there j edgar paradox um and specifically asking you, Brian, but you know everybody can chime in. Some kits come already headspaced. I'm currently looking at a kit that doesn't come with a barrel. Can you give us uh, the audio version of properly headspacing? My first build was not worthy sending in to get hugged, so I quickly went with the badass ODS 1775. I did cut yeah, up my... Yeah, that was awesome. To, he, uh, we did a... And we're going to do it again for Hug Your AK Day. We're gonna do a, it's we're gonna keep doing it, but a pimp your AK deal where where uh, the winner, uh, yeah, got their AK sent in for love, and um, J Edgar Paradox opted for I think we gave him like a two thousand dollar discount on a new gun. Nice, and um, I'm glad he's I'm glad that that worked well for him. Um, so yeah, uh, head spacing. Um, there's a lot of schools of thought. I think having a press with a pressure gauge on it is a really good idea. Um, we use a very proprietary method, um, but I know that other folks will headspace on either a go or a no-go, depending on their, um, their preferences. Um, I would advocate put it, putting the bolt in the trunnion and um, with a go gauge in it and with the extractor taken out. So strip the bolt, push the, um, oh, and can you even do this without special tooling? I'm not sure that anybody makes uh, 
you can you can make your own gear to do this. What a lot of people do um, is they'll press the barrel in a few thou and then check it and press the barrel in a few thou and check it and then they'll have to push it out and push it in and you can spend most of a day hating yourself. There is a way to build um, and you can actually see it. Um, I think you can see it in a JMAC Customs video um, with, um, I'm blanking on his name in Tennessee. He used to be the foreman for uh, um, for what became PSA. Um, DDI. Yeah. Do you Dave. know what I'm talking about, Billy? I, I'm blanking on the gentleman's name. He's a good, Dave, he's a great builder. Uh, Dave. Oh my gosh. Um, he's in Tennessee. Well, at any rate, you can, you, you can see it in that video. And he, that's, I think he does something similar to that. We do it a different way. Um, but basically if you can figure out how to press the barrel in with a, go gauge and the bolt already engaged that's a pretty good deal and then if you have a pressure monitor you can monitor the pressure spike when it bottoms out um, but a lot of folks just go off feel and they ping pong the barrel back and forth um, another guy ryan reasoner was asking proper pressure for measuring headspace you are a thinking individual sir and i salute you if you google <coughs> ak headspace vso media you will find a paper that I wrote with John Holton, Robert Forbus, and Curtis on the proper way to do it, um, referencing the East German Armors Manual. The short answer is 10 to 20 kilograms is the acceptance window um, for when you're doing a headspace measurement. So you need to have more than 10 and less than 20 to have headspace that's at that number, whatever that number is. So on a go gauge, that's 1.252 inches. Um, but you can get progressive sets that are smaller or bigger. Um, but a go gauge is a, a decent place to start there though. I would be curious to hear what Billy has to say. Yeah, just use a go gauge and no go gauge. If you're just starting out, <laughs> it'll get you pretty close. You know, there's obviously a, a sweet spot that, you know, uh, a lot of these builders would know where you can max out accuracy. Um, and so having progressive gauges would be nice for that, but. For a standard builder that's not going to spend that kind of money you probably if we're going to go with something limited as, as far as tool you might just need to just kind of you know do what brian said basically squeeze in a few thou and then press it out and trying to figure out the a way where the go gauge goes and the no go doesn't go so um if you wanted to get more advanced then yeah you can you can uh you know really dive deep into that but for a, a beginner builder i would just say you know do the best you can with, with the simplest amount of tools you can afford. So. Oh, and, and one thing to add is that the, the no-go gauge, there's some disinformation on the interwebs about um, guns grenading when they close on a no-go. That's absolutely not true. It's, 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 it's completely false. If that were true, there wouldn't be such a thing as a field gauge. And so if on your first gun it closes on a no-go, that does not mean the gun's dangerous. And uh, it's 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 a five thousandths window between one point two five two and two five seven, and I think the field gauge is five thou above that. And so if you had it's it's common for the headspace to open up by a couple thou uh, when you shoot it and burn it in, and so if it's a little tight when you put it together, 
take it to the range, make sure that it goes all the way into battery every single time. You don't want it to be halfway into battery when you hit the trigger. Um, but it's common that that headspace will open up. So if the gun's a little tight, don't stress it too hard, but you too tight is can be as dangerous as too loose, depending. Okay. Uh, are you on the social media right now, uh, Billy? At all? No. On Instagram? You, all right, so you're not looking at any of these questions here. I was going to have you just go through and pick one. Let's do oh, a couple okay. more, and then let's, uh, let's give away our stuff and wrap up the show here. Sure. Um, like Could I dish this? one to Billy here? Because yeah, I'm curious what he thinks. Yeah, you're all going um, to do it. Let's see. The Smith 9x39 asks, AK style, AK builder style rivet jig or bolt cutter rivet jaw, pros and cons to both. <laughs> uh, what I like about the AK builder rivet jig is that you'll have like a flat rivet, right? Because with a bolt cutter style, basically you're pressing the force in like, like this motion, right? And so you'll end up having a rivet that kind of looks like that on the top. And so um, I think the AK Builder rivet jig just makes it easier. Um, well, maybe not as easier as a bolt cutter, but easier to make good looking rivets. Um, you can also have, um, you know, weird things happen on the outside of the rivet by having the bolt cutter thingy, you know? So I think the bolt cutter, cutter thing was like the first like widespread kind of thing, but I think you know, if you if you're gonna make if you want it to look nice, might as well just buy the AK Builder one. Same thing. Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What what he said. So basically, you know, with this new eighty percent, are they're saying what what do we anticipate the future of the eighty percent uh, and the flats, you know, being. Here we go. We have to talk about everybody's thoughts and where the future leads to the eighty percent, and I think. You know, we don't know what the ruling is, you know, what what it actually says and, and what it means yet. So until we get a clarification on that, we can't really predict that. But, you know, if it's going the way that it looks like some of these people think it's going to, it looks like they're going to not sell them anymore. Um, AK Builder's website, you know, said it plain as day right there. They're not going to be selling them anymore to the public uh, anyway. So that's yeah kind of what we're seeing there and then tongue for twisting this would be a good one to to end it on uh basically he's saying here we go to build or to simply buy whole and not attempt you know and i think that's what the whole show is about make your own decision on that we we kind of gave you a good idea of of what's involved what you're looking at uh so you got to look at your skill level you know your desire uh and why you're doing it um and what it means to you so that's only a question you can ask or answer for yourself. Uh, I think these guys would say, send it to them, you know, buy your parts kit, send it to them, let them do it right. And, uh, you know, get something that you're definitely going to love, be proud of and, and going to hold its value. Um, but I think you guys probably get a lot of these home builds that you have to, you know, re-Frankenstein and fix and, and, and make anyway from some of these people that just jack it up. But the class yeah, is the first start. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I I would heavily advocate the class. I think it's a fantastic use of money, even if you have no technical ability whatsoever, because if nothing else, it'll make you a better operator and a better armor. And that's a giant deal. And so I would say don't build one. Build one with, with one of the people that teach how to build. And that's that's huge. 
Really? I, I would agree with Brian. I would say um, definitely build one either in a class or build one with someone who has built multiple of them. Um, someone that can pass their knowledge on to you. If you don't have access to a class or can't afford the class or whatever, try to find somebody you know in the community that has built an AK before and have them help you. I mean, that's definitely a good way to do it. Um, as far as to build or to buy, simply, I mean, it's it's completely up to the individual. Um, if you just want an AK to shoot, obviously, just go buy an AK and shoot it. There's tons of great AKs out there. Um, if you want the experience and the enjoyment of building yourself, then grab a kit. It's super fun. I enjoyed it. I mean, when I was a kid building AKs, you could buy a brand new Norinco AK for $180. And I was spending hundreds of dollars building parts kits, not because it was cheaper, because I thought it was fun. Um, so that's really the bottom line. If you want to do it because you need a rifle that's going to shoot great, go buy one. If you're doing it because you want to learn and want to enjoy the experience, by all means, jump jump in and do it. But try and do your first couple with someone who's done it before. Yeah, I agree. Billy, yeah. anything to add to that? I would just agree as well. You know, um, they both guys said great points. You know, take a class. Um, I also want to mention this, you know, some it's really based off the individual if you want to build or buy because you know i went through a lot of employees and some people just don't have it you just they just don't have the ability to work with their hands so if, if you're you know want to give it a shot and that's your personality and you want to see if this is something you can do then go for it um but you know um it's okay if, to buy you know that's why we're around right so um so the choice is up to you you know yourself best so again it's uh it's 100 up to you there you go a lot of a lot of great questions here uh didn't get to everybody's if uh we didn't get your question and you still want an answer to it i think we pretty much covered everything though uh feel free shoot me an email and i'll get with these guys uh, or you just contact them directly yourselves like i said through the the social meds direct message stuff you can you can do that um uh, if they want to email you or something like that, Billy, do you have an email address that they could get in touch with you? Website? Yeah, you, they can go ahead and email uh, info at right uh, info at ironbornarmory.com. I almost said rifle Habits. dynamics. <laughs> Habits. Um, so info at ironbornarmory.com. So I also wanted to add something. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this, and the knife community would probably uh, crucify me if I didn't mention it. But <laughs> I have um, some knife etiquette things I wanted to just tell you guys real quick. Okay. So. I think this will spread Bonus. awareness to the gun community because a lot of the gun community don't know how to treat custom knives. So uh, what I have here is just a simple production $200 knife, right? So um, a lot of times people beat you know these like crazy, right? And so that's fine. And so, but with a custom knife, I have a custom knife right here, one of, one of mine. Mm -hmm. And so here's, uh, here's one of mine that I made, right? And so, nice. um, but with... A, a custom knife, you never want to open a knife with like a wrist flick. You don't want to go like this. Uh -huh. If you ever go to a knife show and you pick up a knife, don't ever do that, right? A custom knife. Bad right? etiquette. These knives are typically made of titanium handles with uh, maybe a steel stop pin. And it could basically, what happens is you can just kind of barely, prematurely wear it out. On a production knife, who gives a shit, right? Even if it's a couple hundred dollars, but... On a custom knife, some of them might go for $20,000. You don't know, right? So don't ever pick it up and wrist flick it. Even upside down where you're trying to be like some kind of tactical guy and do this. Uh -huh. Don't, right? On a custom knife. Do uh, not wrist flick. Okay. 
don't ever risk flick. So just Etiquette always ask the one. guy if he can pick it up. And then, you know, if it has a flipper, go ahead and use the flipper tab. Um, and then, you know, don't do anything, you know, just be uh, act like it's not yours. And so that's that's really what I want to point out. Cause that's what I see most gun guys do all the time. It's just like, oh, look at that. And yeah. it ends up pissing the custom knife maker off, right? So because you got to realize like this, this knife, the handle is a, a, a it's a Damascus made out of titanium and zirconium. And oftentimes this stuff will cost sometimes a thousand dollars a pound. Oh, wow. Right? wow. And you're risk flicking something like this. That's going to be uh ruin someone's knife prematurely. Yeah. And so just, so just treat it like it's not up. your own until it is yours till you give him the money. Then you risk flick it all you want. <laughs> yeah. You can throw out a wall for all, all you want. So just, uh, that's just a simple etiquette that I just want to add out there. That's a good tip. I like that. It's especially you can coming see off here, this production knife. See that lock bar, how it goes all the way over. Mm -hmm. That just shows how much the titanium on this lock bar has worn out. Because typically it should be somewhere like, uh, you know, on a nice knife, it's usually somewhere less. That's like an early ten percent, as opposed to going all the way down like that. Worn down so, like that. Yeah. Good. So yeah, that's just wanted to add that. Good to especially coming off. You know, Blade Show was just uh, was it this past weekend, I believe. Um, yeah. As as we're talking yeah. about this, so good tip. All right, yeah. let's give let's give some stuff away here. Let's uh, present some some prizes. We've got a. Uh, I think my kit's back there somewhere. I did some photos. But here's one right here. Seal One uh, CLP gun cleaning kit. And it will come with the uh, bore patches for your AK-47. You'll get uh, the liquid, the paste, and, uh, like I said, the, the pre-soaked. And it comes with the brushes, microfiber. You'll get a nice kit here. Um, who do we want to award that to? Um, the questions that, that I asked there, Brian, um, pick one that you really think they deserve this. Oh, that gent who is asking how much force to use on a go gauge is near and dear to my heart. Let's see what he's, his name was. Okay. Is it the Ryan Reisner Reisner? That sounds right. When building a new yes. AK, how tight yes. should the headspace be? Okay, there you go, Ryan. Yep. So you are the winner. Email me, talkingletgmail.com. I'll need your uh, shipping address, obviously, so I can forward that on to Dwight over at Seal One. And um, let me know what you won, what episode and what you won. All right, next we've got a Mission First Tactical uh, Talking Lead Dump Tray, which i got to get all my shit off of it here. Uh done by the fine folks at Mission First Tactical. We use these for our, our armorer's trays as well, gunsmithing trays. So uh, when we're and Brian uses these in his shop as well. Yeah, uh, for machining and coolant is amazing. Machining coolant is amazing at dissolving all kinds of plastics and adhesives and stuff. And we've been using it for a couple years now with no degradation of the finish at all. So whatever they're doing with injecting the dye into the plastic as it's coming off is working. So and very hardy tray. I am going to uh, pick the winner of this. I liked uh, the real Dan Holland, real Dan Holland. He asked a couple of questions. One was the pros and cons of stamp versus milled. 
Uh, he also asked, would love to hear your thoughts on the new Stenzel Industries AK, which I'm not familiar with Stenzel Industries AK. You guys? Yeah, yeah, we're actually, um, I've talked with Joe, the the uh, the man, Okay. Um, a couple times now, real nice guy. I don't have an opinion on the gun yet. It really depends on how much testing he puts in, but um, good dude, prior service, um, rooting for him. Here you go. So, uh, real Dan Holland, email me, talkingletgmail.com. Tell me what you won, and of course we'll need your shipping address uh, for that. Dan is one of our alumni of uh, the Talking Lead 212 training uh, AK class. Oh, he was he was there? Okay. Yeah, he was the super handsome one. Ah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was Andrew. <laughs> you were at that course, Andrew. You're muted, Andrew. All right, next, uh, next we're going to give away a box of the uh, Defiant Munition 762 by 39 um, ammunition here. Any questions that... What's that? Pete Pie. Pete Pie. Pete yeah. Pie is the winner of the ammo. Pete Pie, well, he needs it back, doesn't he? So he can, because he is currently out of that ammo. So you're actually, I'm sending it to you. You're getting some of my stash. So that ought to tell you how much I love you, listeners. I'm giving up a box of my Defiant Munitions. Uh, let's see. There was one that I think that first question that I asked. We got a lot of. Uh, info from you guys on that and we've had a lot of questions for jim also of course jim couldn't couldn't get connected with us uh, audio wise um but this was a good question from richard mlb i think it was from richard yeah and he's asking brian he said what would you say is the single most important or most significant thing you've learned from jim Well, it, it really was the, I had wrecked a gun before I took that class and, um, gosh, it was riveting technique. Um, you know, it sounds like a little thing, but it's actually a big thing. And I can't separate between Billy and Jim because they co-taught. And so it's all kind of mushed together. Um, I got individualized coaching from both of them, but the one really big nugget that I got from them that's a detail but a big deal is having when you prep the hole in in actually any rivet you need to have it chased so that the rivet can slide cleanly in and out before you start forming it and um, it needs to be properly dimpled if it's a dimpled one and countersunk there's a little inside radius um there's a little detail there where proper, proper countersinking, dimpling, and chasing of, of rivet holes is a foundational technique that bears enormous fruit. And so I'd say if it's one, one thing and why you should pay money, um, also the feedback into your hand that I was talking about at the top of the show of knowing how much to squish. In terms of saving me from wrecking a lot of guns, it would probably be the the hand calibration of pressure on the hydraulic press. Gotcha. So he's going to win the, the ammunition. He asked several questions. Uh, so he asked some really good, and all you guys asked some really good questions, really 
a great bunch of questions this episode. So I appreciate everyone taking part. But uh, what was his name? Uh, Richard NLMB. Uh, get in touch with me, talking at gmail.com. As long as it's legal for you to have this, uh, let me know what state and all that. Uh, I'm going to send you a box of uh, Defiant Munitions ammo there. And uh, Brian, you got a shirt or anything you want to give away this episode? Yeah, sure. Let's give away a muscle device. Oh, well, hell. even of, And uh, thread even pitch of their choice. So half 28, 5 8 24, 14 1. And this will be a suppressor mount, but also a really good four-tine vortex style flash hider uh Very works nice. good on anything 30 cal or below there you go uh it's gonna be hard to pick a winner for that uh how about i just go through here and then i just randomly move my thing let me make sure i'm on i'm gonna update it it's updating got all the stuff stop armus bravis um he asked the opinions on the Rodham Chrome Line Cold Forged Sporter Barrels. Makes sense. We were talking about barrel threading. That's perfect. So that'll that'll work out good. There Armas. it is. Bravis. Talking at gmail.com. Let me know what you want. Of course, you need to know the thread pitch that he wants. And uh, I'll send your uh, info over to Brian, and uh, he'll make sure you get that muzzle device. Very cool. Um Again, like I said, there are several questions here for Jim. Uh, we apologize for the uh, connection issues. We'll get him on another episode. Maybe we'll get him on as a judge, Andrew, for our next episode. We're going to give away the BFT. It's a great idea. Um, he would be a, a good judge. Maybe we'll get Billy on that too. Um, but that's the thing. So real quick, if you want to enter our giveaway for the Oh, I got a 10-pack of mags, Marty. Oh, we got a 10-pack of mags. I'm sorry. More giveaways. Hell. Um, um, Brian, you picked... It, pick... it, it was a simple answer, but it was a great question Okay. about how, how to determine your uh, the best quality parts kits or your best fitting parts kits. Obviously, try to buy a serialized one. I thought it was a good question. Let's see. Was that Brickin? No. It was the Holy Trinity? Was that the one? No. Let's Somebody asked how to get the, the, the best fitting parts kits. And obviously and then, we all said, you know, a serialized one, matching serial numbers would be the easiest. But th I thought was, it was a, simple, a very good question. That was Bree Kincart. What is the best way to ensure getting relatively good matching? Is yeah, give, the, give them to that person. Okay, Bree, Bree Kincart. So, Bree, congratulations. You just won a 10-pack of U.S. Palm mags uh, from our presenting sponsor, Century Arms. So there you go. So now you're going to want to enter the BFT giveaway so you'll have a, a, an AK uh, to go with that, to go with your mags. So email me, talkingletgmail.com. Tell me what you won. Uh, so now to the contest, the giveaway. Uh, again, what you got to do, take a picture of yourself, or you don't even have to have, be in the picture. You could be holding it or take a nice picture. But the most creative, the coolest picture, the coolest video and you're going to post it to your Instagram page, okay? Not your story, because stories go away, and I'll never see it again after, I think, a day as it, after those go away. But you're going to tag Talking Lead. You're going to tag Sentry Arms. You're going to tag Occam Defense. You're going to tag Factory 47, Seal 1, Mission First Tactical. Um, did I say Factory 47? Um, yep. Defiant Munitions. All of our sponsors, IWI, 
tag all of our sponsors. And if you can question who they are, go to these other posts because they've done it, you know. But the key part component is hashtag. And you can use any hashtags you want, but you got to make sure you got the hashtag TLBFT47. And that's how I'm going to track them. That's how I'm going to find them. Uh, and then July episode is is when we're going to give it away. We're going to do the judging, and we'll announce the winner then. We'll pick the winner. And based on the judges' uh, votes, that's how we're going to do it. And we'll probably have some consolation prizes, you know, and, and, and that kind of stuff too. So um, participate. Win. And like I said, I'm just making this for our listeners right now. So only people who listen to this podcast know how to do it because I haven't put it out there yet really on what they need to do. Um, but I have made people aware that we are giving one away. So hopefully we'll get more listeners that way. Um, but we need at least 30. Like I said, at least 30 to 50 is what we're looking for. Otherwise, uh, we'll have to come up with some other way to give it away. But it's meant to be fun. Be safe. Uh, follow all the, the firearm safety rules. If you don't have a Sentry Arms firearm, uh, then go to your local range or find a buddy who's got... And you can use Canix, too. It could be any Sentry Arms firearm. Use some U.S. Palm mags and whatever AK you got. I'm cool with that. Wear your Factory 47 shirt. Uh, if you got Occam t-shirts, hats, Defiant Munitions, the more of our sponsors that you have in it, you know, as far as their products, their swag, the better. I'm not going to say that that's going to give you more points, but it probably might sway my vote. Uh, you know, just saying. Um, and maybe, maybe you know, Brian's going to be a judge. You're going to judge, right? You're going to help us judge, Brian? Shit, yeah. Okay, there you go. So our judges are lining up. So, you know, keep in mind who your audience is on who, who you're doing these, these, these picks, these posts for. But it's meant to be fun. So have fun with it. And we're only going to take one of your posts, but you can do more than one post. Uh, but we'll only take one of your posts for the judging, as far as the judging goes. So um, if you, you've made a post and you're like, ah, I can do better, then do another one. You know, I, I encourage it. You know, like I said, it's meant to be fun. So uh, I did a post, and I had, I had pretty much everybody's stuff in my post that I did. I don't know if you guys, I know Andrew didn't see it because he doesn't have social media, but um, just to kind of kick things off, I did one, and I'll probably do more just to have fun with it. Uh, but it's going to hey, be a good time. Yeah, I'm going to throw this out there just for the Leadheads listening right now. Yeah. If you enter the contest, if you post a photo, if you do all the things for the contest, regardless if you win or not, we will send you something, a T-shirt, a hat, some patches. We will send you something. Some swag. Nice. We will get some swag. Regardless if you win or not, everybody who enters and makes a post is going to get some swag, period. There you go. And if you don't have a Mission First dump tray, you haven't won one yet and you don't have one, you can go and buy them. I mean, that, that helps support our sponsors you know, of the show. So go to Mission First and, and get a dump tray. And they don't specifically have these on their website, but if you tell them you want this logo on there, then they know what you're talking about, and they can they can make those because they, they can do custom ones. Um, so go to Factory 47. We've got discount codes. Mission First Tactical. Use Leadhead. You're going to get 20% off at Mission First Tactical. Seal 1, which you want Seal 1 anyway. You need to. This is great for corrosion protection 
for your, your firearms. Uh, you can even use this stuff on your bicycle chains. Uh, people use it for that. They use it for their boats, uh, marine items, reels and rods. Uh, it's, it's good for all that. Seal1.com, Leadhead, 25% off. Factory 47. Uh, I would love to see a Wolverines t-shirt, a Calmet High School t-shirt in a post. That would be awesome. Factory 47, use the code Leadhead. You're going to get 10% off uh, any of their stuff there. But they've got all the, all the factory logoed shirts, hats, and, of course, they've got the Talking Lead, Leadhead Brigade, or not Leadhead Brigade, but uh, uh, AK Corner logo T-shirts, sweatshirts. Um, Occam Defense Solutions. Brian's got shirts. He's got patches. He's got – you still doing the banners there? I believe we are, yeah. Okay. I think we have some in stock right now. That would be just the bomb diggity if I saw a big Occam Defense banner in your background. Yeah. Like a mustache with titties. It does not get more <laughs> a beautiful. Mustache with titties. That would be so cool. <laughs> but a video. I would love to see videos. You know, somebody submit videos. And like I said, videos, um, uh, pictures, either one would, would be great. Uh, the more of our sponsor stuff in there, the better. Uh, Defiant Munitions. Um, you know, I've got my mags loaded up with, with Pete 762 right here and one of U.S. Palms Clear Mags. Uh, polycarb polycarb there you go so you know that would be cool and you can use uh leadhead it's caps all caps at defiant munitions leadhead you're going to get 10 percent off ammo nobody's doing discounts on ammo right now so that's awesome that he's offering 10 percent. and this is high quality like billy said earlier some of the the best quality ammo that he's ever shot and they've got nine mil. They've got the seven six two. They got the two two three. Um, but like everybody, you know, the components and stuff are hard to get for them right now. So they might be a little back ordered on some of the stuff. But um, it's worth the wait, definitely. Uh, and then IWI US, you know, get some of their swag. Again, you don't have to have their guns, but you do have to have a sentry gun in the photo. So as long as it's a, you got your sentry guns and you have multiple guns, maybe you got a Canik in one and you've got an AK in the other, just throwing some ideas out there, guys. Maybe you're at the range. Or another place where you get pictures, Andrew, is if you go to a gun, uh, you know, one of these gun events. You know, there's shows and events happening, you know, every week somewhere. Uh, Andrew's got several that he's going to be doing, so Century will be at these, you know, these range day events, these shows. Get pictures there. You know, even better if maybe you you're at a place and Andrew's there and you get a picture with Andrew with your gun. Like an automatic win, right? You know, it's probably going to get his vote. <laughs> so, uh, I can't stress enough. So I'm trying to build it here, you know, guys. So I want to see some participation, and uh, we're going to have fun with it. So that's all I got, uh, guys. Thank you so much, Billy. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, nice meeting you, Andrew. Good to see you, Brian. Yeah, likewise, man. Great to share some time with you here. Appreciate it. Brian, welcome back. We're glad to have you back. Looking forward to to more episodes. You know, we're halfway through. We got six more episodes to go this year. Lots to talk about. Billy, you're always welcome back. Would love to have you back, brother. Yeah, I brought all these toys to show off, and you know, I didn't get a chance to show them off, but next time. Is this your knives? 
I brought knives. I also brought guns too. Oh, so. well, why haven't you been holding them up during the? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm horrible at self promoting. You guys know well, that. Well, we will, we will definitely time. have Billy on again for sure. Yes, I just saw a sneak peek. Let's of have him on just to talk about his guns and knives. Yeah, I think that's an episode on its own. But oh, Look right here. arm of the free world. This is a this is a great way to end the show right here. I love this. This is a legit imported G1. Nice. Look at that. Full auto. Not, uh, not a. Yeah, so this is one of the ones that uh, went to the German army in like 1956 to 59. Look at that muzzle brake on that thing. Yeah, it's oh, kind yeah. of funky how they did this. Look, it just kind of comes right off. Huh. So it oh, uses, no kidding. And it stays on. But yeah. So, so educate. A lot of people don't know what these, they go, that's uh, safe. And then. You go down, that's uh, semi down here, and then all the way over is full auto. So this one has the original like German Army eagles. And and what are we looking at there for our, our listeners that don't know what that is? So this is a um, uh, FAL, right? Uh, they call the G1, made by FN and sold to the German Army from uh, – I believe they ordered a couple thousand of them in like 1956 and they liked it so much they ordered a hundred thousand. And then uh, from 56 to 58. And so they wanted to basically start making them on their own. Uh, basically, I, I believe under HK at that point. And uh, they had some butthurt feelings from what happened maybe 10 years earlier, right? In Germany and and how they, you know, their stories of how they ransacked the uh, FN, you know, and, you know, bomb buildings and yeah. whatever. And so they didn't want to sell them the rights to build a gun. So they stopped uh, making them for him. And so I believe, like they said, maybe the rest, they sold off, you know, the rest of them to Argentina, I think, at that point. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. And then those guys just kind of destroyed them um, at that point, just made them... Just shot the piss out of them, made them rust buckets. But this one, I, I don't believe this one was nice ever sent to that Argentina. It was straight up from Germany. Um, and then after that, the the Germans made the G3, right? So which became the most popular battle rifle in the world. So just a piece of history. A friend of mine gave me this that he uh, he passed away. And so his son kind of gave this to me and figured I'd appreciate it. So um, oh, it's nice. from a uh, good friend, Chuck Marshall. So I appreciate it. I just want to show you guys this. But That's one of many beautiful. toys I have. Um, just because I'm an AK guy doesn't mean I, I don't appreciate non-com block stuff too. Here's well, a quick, that's uh, that's I, kind I showed of this earlier. Oh yeah, the full auto 22. <laughs> yeah, full auto 1022 and stuff like that. So that's cool. I got a bunch of toys I could show off next time. Um, but well, uh, we're all gun guys, and we we appreciate all guns, and yeah. we do talk other firearms on the AK corner. We've we've done the Uzi, we've done the uh, Valmet, we've talked about. Uh, several, Galils. yeah, Galils. So yeah. let me maybe you know get some of that stuff on here, and we'll do an episode on that. Definitely. Yeah, I got a transferable Uzi right now. Oh um, shit! In the in the safe, I could have brought it out, but now you're just rubbing it in, man. Now you're just rubbing it Next in. Next time. Next time. <laughs> I think we need a dedicated Billy episode. <laughs> no, yeah. I, that statement. I think no. we will, and and uh, Billy, the knives. We definitely get you on the regular show, and we'll talk about the knives. Uh, I've got yeah. some. I got some things in the work. Uh, so yeah, definitely get in touch with you on I'll that. I'll show one more knife real quick. This is what they call the Mugen. So this is made out of a Damascus. Oh, it's beautiful. 
the cronium accents on there. Damn. Yeah. So for you guys listening, you need to get on YouTube and check out this, <laughs> the, check the, out the, the video, video version. There's some real art here. Inside that middle of that pivot is the cronium inlay. The cronium is what they use for explosive ammunition, right? But people don't know if you make it red hot, it has this crazy black oxide on there. That you can make That's it weird gorgeous. That is beautiful. So here's one of my knives. And I made the thumb stud of uh, zirconium as well. Wow. Beautiful. So, yeah, Andrew, nice. real quick, anything new, exciting going on at uh, Century that we need to be aware of? I mean, we launched a butt ton of new products at NRA. So um, we launched a bunch of new Canic pistols, the Canic Pro Series, the Canic Mete FF. Of course, you have the rivals already. We also launched our new NAC 9S. So it's our NAC 9, but instead of using the Glock stick mags, it uses the Scorpion mag. Hmm. So we just uh, adapted a new um, adapter that uses the Scorpion mag instead. It just gives you that curved mag look, so it doesn't have that straight stick look, which AK guys like me hate. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's pretty cool. So excited about that. As far as new AK stuff, that's kind of our, our newest AK thing we've got going right now. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, and then uh, was our... Where are you guys going to be? You got some shows and things that you're doing? Oh, yeah, it's just dealer stuff. That's not like open to the public just or anything. Do, so no range days or anything that the public would? I mean, we have range days all the time all over the country. So, you know, just check with your local gun shop or your local shooting range and ask them when they're having their next range day, and chances are there'll be a rep from Century there. There you go. Very cool. Brian Ockham, anything you can talk about? Um, about to drop a few new products. Our PH2 iron sights are in machining right now for all you folks with pre-orders. Um, I think we're still on track to be shipping them something like August, or I'm hoping for early August. But uh, yeah, been. Um, I shared this on another video, but machine shops are just completely slammed. And I found out that the reason is that a whole bunch of companies are onshoring stuff that was previously made in Asia. And so, boy, is that a good, you know, in all this dark stuff, it's really good to know that U.S. manufacturing of machine parts is is back up and really humming. And uh, that's awesome. Um, let's see. We've got a uh, more gas blocks in machining right now. Um, let's see. We have, uh, what are they called? No, not the sights, the, uh, our braces, the, um, the, the tail stuff. hook mod one compact. We have those in stock and shipping. And apparently people are paying like 600 bucks for them on gun broker right now. Oh, and shit, you can buy like our, what's that? I said, shit, I've got like three of them. I need to get on gun broker. Oh yeah. You do need to get on gun broker. <laughs> um, just, yeah. If, uh, tell your homies that for, I think under 300, uh, it's right around 300. You can have a full a SIG hinge, one of our brace struts, and a tail hook compact. You can get two of those for what they're going for on Gunbroker. So uh, that's our, our not sale, but super deal going on at the moment. Nice. Very good. Yep. And that's OckhamDefense.com. Just OckhamDefense. OckhamDefense.com. Yep. Very, very good. Uh, and then, Billy, again, if people want to get in touch with you, they want to see your stuff, Instagram, you've got several accounts. Uh, give those. Yeah. My website is alchemdefense.com. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you can, uh, my Instagram is instagram.com slash chogunassassin to see a lot of my knife work on there. And then instagram.com slash ironbornarmory to see a lot of my gun work. So appreciate you uh, for the plug. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And again, we appreciate you taking the time to be on. Again, Leadheads, we're sorry about uh, Jim, but uh, he was he was kind of bummed about it as well. But we'll get him back on, definitely. Uh, so until the next episode, don't disappoint me. I want to see your post on Instagram. Take part in this because July's episode, if i got to change it to something else because of lack of participation, I'm going to be pissed. So, that's all, <laughs> that's all i got to say. So, <laughs> until then, make me proud, Leadheads. Out. Right on time. Always yeah. a, a a Marty production can always go either way. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> a Marty production. We we can be on we can be on the numbers or we can be way the hell off. <laughs> this is true. <laughs>